<laughs> and apparently, they need to learn to sing a song so that they wash their hands for long enough. People from outside of their country uh, are going, uh, guys, uh, um, maybe uh, maybe things need to change over there. Just, yeah, yeah. I imagine, I imagine that our American listeners, of which there are some, hello, or as they say in America, people. hello. Um, <laughs> I imagine our American listeners absolutely know how to wash their goddamn hands. Better I do. But isn't it weird that that's an official government statement amidst the coronavirus talk, is that... You need to watch them for at least 20 seconds, and if you're not sure how long that is, sing Happy Birthday, the Happy Birthday song, twice. Do you think... I'm like, that's not 20 seconds. Depends <laughs> how fast you're singing. Sing, sing, sing the TGI Friday's birthday greeting happy, to happy yourself. Now you wash your hands, your hands are now washed, and the coronavirus chances are less. You think that's just what they told Donald Trump? Because he doesn't know our basic personal hygiene, and then they just have to release it to the public. So, like, well, we made this infographic. They made Mike to put Pence on all of the bathrooms the in the White House of the White House and, and everything to do to After work disastrous out handling of the of, uh, oh. of the AIDS outbreak when he was governor. <clears throat> yep. Fucking yep. Hey, we're no better. Oh no! Oh god, prime no. minister. Oh god, knows I really know. I just. Oh, so the Prime Minister is hiding in fucking number 10 as the country's going to shit. Oh, no, no to his credit, uh, he uh, went to hospital uh, yesterday, like, talking about corona stuff and this and the other, and he talked to somebody who was uh, not not in quarantine, but they were, like, sort of symptoms about... they were in for checking. And you know what he did? Like, obviously, just a moment of, like, human interaction, but he shook his hand. And it's like, excuse me. Excuse me. Isn't that the thing we're not meant to be doing right now? Isn't the that thing the thing is, that's Boris not meant Johnson to be isn't human. That's true. He's a meat bag <clears throat> full of inflated gases. Yes, going through a quiet divorce right now. No, he's not going through a divorce, isn't it? He's having a child well, with someone who's not his wife. Because he's that's what he does. Him and his wife are separated, but they're not divorced yet. I don't. But it's also on the no. quiet in a way that's really suspicious. Oh, like, who's fucking one. Boris Johnson and not being paid for it? <laughs> because if he's being paid for it, he'd have rules like, wear a fucking condom. <laughs> Put this, put on this expensive experimental hologram so yeah. I don't have to look at you. Who, who, who is fucking Boris Johnson? <laughs> People who are massive fans of I Got News for You, I just especially the two late two thousands run. I don't understand. There are there are post there are there are post Angus Deaton fans who think he's a rock star. Have I got news for you? AKA part of the reason he's even relevant. I hate everything right now. I know. I really do. But you know what we don't hate. It's a very short list. Yeah. One thing we can tolerate is you guys. Yay. Hey, how you doing? We love you, really. Welcome to Big Dab Cast. I am Christopher. Oh, Lord, it's inside me. Johnson. And I'm inside him. Watson. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. And uh, it's geeky goo. Geeky goos. Geeky, geeky goo. Geeky goo. Nerdy news. Geeky gossip. All the stuff that's fit to occupy your time for that brief span before we all die. And for those of you who clicked on because of the thumbnail and everything and thinking... This isn't about Doctor Who. Well, tough. Tough. We've got other things to talk about first. We are going to talk about the time. Children. We are going to talk about Doctor Who. Uh, reluctantly. And not, also non-reluctantly, I think. Because we've not we've, we've purposefully not asked each other about this episode yet, what we thought. Just because it's always more interesting to be like, right, 
What do you think? Uh, on Meich. But uh, unfiltered, uncut, European. Ooh, dirty. Filters off. And um, we're going to be talking about the Invisible Man in spoilerific terms. Yeah. So if you so. really don't want it spoiled, skip ahead about 15 minutes into this pod. But more uh, than that, it'll be. Well, will it? I'll say we'll put a the time, time code, code in the it's, The time code itself is invisible. It's invisible. It's invisible time code. You can't see it. Oh, I can time um, code him. Oh, whack a time code right in for, whack a time for the invisible fan. Um, but the invisible mandem! Oh! That's the best joke we're coming up all the week. Uh, we're also talking about trailers and nonsense. That's awful. But also... That's awful. Sweet baby boys and girls. Sweet babies! I think we need to celebrate that the uh, the rules of regeneration are broken now. Um, because Cardinal Copia is officially <laughs> Papa Emeritus the Fourth As of last night, it's official. Ghost ended their world tour in Mexico, and uh, he, he, he's, he's been he's been ascended to a, to an actual papa. So well done, fictional singer of a band, Cardinal Copia, and rest in peace, Papa Emeritus, who suspiciously didn't do his sax solo. He started doing his sax solo, the smoke enveloped the stage, and then he disappeared. And the ghouls were all looking around like the hell's happening, and then the ascension the began. Ghouls. Yeah, then the ascension began of uh, Copia, so safe to say he's probably been killed off. Belial and Satanas and Beelzebub. <clears throat> Kiss the ghost. Kiss the goat. Kiss the go-goat. Um, but yeah, so that, that's, that's oh. it for Metal News this week. Um, also, yeah, they so put, we're on the square. Them. We're on the level. We're on the level. Uh, are we ready to swear right here, right now? Before the, the devil. devil, yeah. Okay, yeah, I yeah, okay. Um, but the, yeah, the, they sort of commemorated it on Instagram with a few photos from the gig and a few from the tour, basically saying thank you so much for all the love. Uh, see you in twenty twenty one, which sounds about right. It's like yeah, you've been touring for like a year. Yeah, go away and do a Go new take album. a break, then work on a new album, and then we'll see you later, Sonny Jims. Um, um, yeah, so. That's all the news this week, guys. Uh, we'll speak to you later. Bye. Yeah, that, was, that, was the, that was Ghost Watch. Um, <laughs> well, there's a podcast waiting to happen. Hey. I'm not I'm not hosting it. <laughs> I, 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 Game of Thrones is is sort of like the TV of Ghost to me. I don't really pay attention to it, but my wife is, is obsessed with it, and I find out all about it secondhand. So uh, if you and Lucy want to start a ghost podcast called Ghost Watch, then feel free. You know, Keeks have started watching Lucifer on that note. Something that she's really started to get into. Lucifer, who doesn't of, look like David Bowie, but really likes David Bowie and listens to him a lot in the it's, series. It's just one of those things. As their just, way of going, yeah, he looks like David Bowie in the comics, but we can't do that in the show. Um, I can see why people like it because what's his name again? Tom Ellis. Tom Ellis. He's, he's a charming motherfucker. He's a dashing motherfucker. He's got charisma to spare, which is good because some of the other leads in that show don't. Um, Have you seen a scene from uh, the Crisis story? No. Where they go into the different dimensions. X, I haven't seen any of the Crisis. Uh, though, look so. up that clip. That clip's quite nice. It's only brief. He's in it for about three minutes, but uh, Constantine visits his dimension to be like, right, so you know this, that, and the other, and we need that information. And it becomes very apparent that they've met. So it's like, right, hang on. Oh, yeah. Where's this episode? Yeah. Where's this episode where these two have crossed? I mean, obviously, legally, there's other reason why it's in the Crisis and not in any of the seasons, because obviously special permissions have been given to do this. But come on, this is cool. Um, it's pretty cool. <clears throat> no, I'm, I'm pretty watching cool. Swamp Thing. 
How is Swamp Thing? I'm six episodes in. I'm fucking loving it. It's a bit of a slow burn in the middle because the. Well, uh, I hate the... to tell you, but it ain't no more. Oh no. <laughs> Oh no! But it, it, it's a bit of a slow burn in the middle because suddenly the politics kind of take over. You know, in terms of the intertown. I mean, stuff. the politics always take over. We've learned that. <laughs> yeah. But like in that way, we sort of go right. But the first two episodes gave us like gory, glory, beautiful, weird pseudoscience horror comic book sort of stuff. Fantastic. And now that's taken a bit of a backseat to the the intertown politics and the and the, the the intrigue and the corruption side of it all, which is great. But I do hope it ramps back up before the end of the season, because otherwise it advertised itself as one thing and then became something else. Uh, our leads are great. The leads are really, really good, and the practical effects are fucking amazing. Um, Intriguing. It sucks that it's cancelled, but at the same time, episodes five and six, one thing is barely in it. He's just sort of there, and the occasionally they end up in the swamp, and it makes you think, is every episode just going to be, we go back, it's like, something happens, and then it concludes in the swamp. It becomes yes. a bit Power Rangers-y, and like, yes. there's a formula. So, as weird as it sounds, maybe it's good it didn't go on beyond one season, but the reason it was cancelled was so fucking dumb. Warners wanted to save some money, and they went, oh, yeah. to hold on to this set was going to cost us a few million for at least one year of storage, because they built a swamp. Yeah. Like, they built a swamp, because of course they did. Like, it's, it's the safer way of doing that. Yeah, you don't want to actually go to a swamp. Dying. There's all sorts of weird shit in swamps. Um, and I guess they just couldn't logistically find enough people that wanted to rent it out for their sets and stuff. So they were like, right, well, I guess we'll just cancel this because it's going to cost us millions while it's off air. It's like, God damn it, it's really good. <laughs> and they do sort of versions of, of villains from the run. Like there's the guy whose corpse is animated by all the bugs of the swamp. Ooh. Stuff. Yeah, that's that is grim. And the, the, the Blue that. Devil is part of it. Blue Devil. The Blue Devil's in there. Um, Blue Devil is one of those fucking weird DC characters. They they dive in. Like, they dive the fuck into how weird it is. Jason Woodrow is of course a character in it, but they've gone like pre Floronic Man. Nice. Because uh, he because he for the majority of the more run, he's already Floronic Man, isn't he? I think so. Because all that happens in, like, Batman and stuff, doesn't it? It sort of starts there and folds into Swamp Thing. Yeah, yeah, it's been a Batman. But way. in this, he's uh, he's separate. There's a very brief mention, without saying the name of the city, of Gotham being where he's come from and stuff. So it's like, okay, this is... And they talk about it being, like, you know, city rife with crime. And, stuff. and he's like, well, no distractions here. You're like, ah, it's fucking it's Gotham. He's from Gotham. He's from Gotham. Um... But yeah, it's great. It's really good. And the Swamp Thing costume is fucking beautiful. It's so good. Ah, <sighs> well. R.I.P. Swamp Thing. Is it as good as the previous film Swamp Things? I've been? never watched it. There was two, right? Yeah, the first one was George Romero joint. Yes, that was late 80s, early 90s? Uh, I think it was late 70s. Oh, God damn, that long. Might be. I don't know. It looks like it was late 70s. It probably is mid 80s. <laughs> well, that's because every superhero thing pre 89 Batman, with the exception of the Superman movies, looks like it's just been found in a vault. Like the Doctor, yeah. Str- like the Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. <laughs> An incredible Hulk TV series where you sort of look at it and go, well, this is charming as fuck. Oh, no, but... it was 1982 with Swamp Thing. Yeah. With uh, Adrian Babo. And Ray Wise was Alec Holland. Damn. Was but there a... Then, but then Dick Duroc was Swamp was, Thing. Was there an Abigail Arcane? Abby Arcane? Or was that pre uh, That was Adrian Babo. Oh, right, okay. It was 82, so... Oh, no, Adrian Babo was Alex Cable, sorry. So I guess she wasn't Abby, Abby Arcane. Because Abby became more prominent in the more yeah. and she like, like, this is this is the comic where, essentially, Swamp Thing is a romance comic with gore in it. 
enjoy everybody. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Um, the show is the, the romance is a through line a through line throughout the show, but it's not. But the, it's it's a horror. The series is a horror. It's about disease and 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 uh, like criminal um, intimidation and and conspiracy and and ghosts and stuff. It's really good. That's a bit of Swamp Thing eighty two for you. That's not the worst costume That's not in the, the world. world. But you wait till you see Return of Swamp Thing from nineteen eighty nine, which is a sequel to that one. Theatrical or straight to sort of video market. Um, TV, to video, I believe. Yeah. Uh, where is Swamp it? Thing? There it is. Return of Swamp. Oh my god, the cover is. Heather Locklear is Abby Arcane. Ah, there you go. Louis Jordan's Dr. Anton Arcane in that in the first one. Yeah, the, uh, the, the uh, cover is deliberately homage. What the hell? It's just a lot of feet pics. She's got a... She, he blooms a flower in her foot. It's just a lot of feet pics. And then he, the, the IMDb is just a lot of feet pics. And then he, I'm not here to shame, but and whoever's he, cultivated this IMDb, come on now. He, he grows a flower. He grows like a phallic-looking cu- uh, cucumber and she takes a bite out of it. Shot the front out of his... Out of his crotch. He snaps it off. But it, off his, it off his crotch, or... I can't remember where he grows it. It's fucking bonkers. Oh it is bonkers. And then, yeah, they did do a TV series version of it as well. Yes. Uh, that uh, that one I'm vaguely familiar with. It was, again, like one season kind of jobby. Yeah. Like a singular year. It's like, oof. It looks rough. Yeah, that costume is not as good. The costume definitely down has a downgrade between that first one and the second one, weirdly. It's about seven years of effects advancements in costume and makeup. But there was also a cartoon as well. Of course there was. <laughs> of course the bleeding was. In ni- again in 1990. Despite him being like the least kid-friendly DC hero. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> they did five episodes. Oh, because there was a toy line. I've seen the toys yeah. somewhere. They're really shit. Damn it. Swamp Thing's great, guys. Go watch it. It's on Amazon Prime in the UK. The history of Swamp Thing. It's one of the few DC Universe TV shows we actually have access to here in the UK. Hashtag, where's my Harley Quinn, motherfuckers? You want, you want Doom Patrol? you got to pay extra on top of your fucking Amazon Prime for Stars Play. Do you? Yeah. Was Doom Patrol available for a bit before that happened? There was talk it was going to go on Netflix because Titans went to Netflix. Yeah. Oh, Doom Patrol yeah. went to Stars Play, so you've got to have an Amazon Prime subscription and then pay extra for Stars Play. Not happening. Goodbye. I hate that. I Not hate happening. fucking we, Amazon we, channels. We've just, we just paid, we pre-ordered Disney Plus and now we're like, right, which service are we dropping? Like, we're now weighing them up. The problem is we still get we still get use out of Amazon Prime as a service because of, like, Lucy's crocheting, you know, and Teddy work and everything. Well, I think you know we can get materials in a quick time. It's like, right... So there's no point getting rid of Amazon Video because we're losing... We didn't. We never paid for this for video in the first place. We paid for it for delivery. Yeah. And, and you shouldn't pay for it for video because as a video streaming service, Amazon Prime is something to be desired. Yes. It's got some decent original stuff, but its library is not great. No. But it also has Swamp Thing. So there we go. Do you know what else it has? We had a film night with um, my brother and, 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 and his partner and, and my mum the other yeah. week. And they were like, want to watch a horror film? And they're terrible at picking films. They are terrible at picking what films. What did they pick? I, oh, no, I don't mean like picking bad films. I mean, we spent hours just scrolling. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the time it's like half 12 at night, I'm like, right, well, we better get going. We'll see you later. We nearly so, did that last night, but then we watched Money Train with Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson. And it was very good. <laughs> see, and, an, and an early Jennifer Lopez as well. I want to have movie night here. Uh, what's, Je- what's Jennifer Lopez's pre-evolution J-Lo? J-Lo. J-Lo. And Robert Blake... Uh, threatening everyone in on comically ways. At one point, he says to a character, "I'm gonna fuck you dead." 
Jesus Christ, that's great. I'm going to rip a hole in your throat and suck your heart out. Good God. It's very good. Um, very I good. went on my Prime account and was it's just like, good. you want to watch a shortish horror film? It's like, uh, on my queue, I've had it for ages. I've not watched it for years. The Ruins. Let's watch The Ruins. Ruins is all right. I watched that not long ago. They went, what, the f- what is that? Show us the trailer. So I showed them the trailer. The trailer is a very early 2000s trailer. Mm. It's not a great trailer. Mm. And as a result, they all went, nah, no, mm. we're not watching that. It looks like crap. And I was like, oh my God, it's a horrific gore fest with like horrible plant visual effects and really skin good. diseases. And I like, like The Ruins. Oh, God, I guess we're not watching The Ruins. Guess what? Two weeks later, I'm like, I think I'm going to finally watch The Ruins like on my own. Sod it. I'm putting it on. It's gone off Prime. So, uh, yeah. I will not be watching the ring. Do you know what else I won't be watching? What? Some of the films that have been advertised this week. Yeah, ga, 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 ga. 16 minutes and 48 seconds and we're finally at the first item of the agenda. Sod it. We had to drink our coffee. Um, Y'all can listen to us drink coffee, right? Christopher. Mattstopher. I am the writing on the wall. I am the whisper in the classroom. Hmm. Coronavirus. <laughs> no, Candyman. Oh, I was going to say, don't say coronavirus into a mirror. We're getting a, new, we're getting a new Candyman. We are, but why is Hollywood remaking all of our beloved... Wait, it's a sequel? It's a sequel. It's Halloween style. It is a goddamn sequel to the original Candyman, which is what, 89? 88? 92. 92? Oh, yes. Oh, because it's, it's post-slasher era. Mm-hmm. But it stuck around in people's consciousness because it had a really unique gimmick. And also, it was one of the very few kind of like, this is a prominently black movie. Electrifying. Well, not, not it in still its, has not some in problems its ca- with race. But absolutely yeah. true. But it, but it, it is it, about it's, race. It is well. about race. Yeah. And and though Tony Todd is playing the villain, his performance is the thing everyone remembers. He's electrifying in it. Virginia yeah. Madsen is the lead in it. She's rich. She's pretty good. Um, it's, it's great. It's freaking get- great. My my favorite bit is that weird inexplicable Dracula esque moment in the parking lot, yeah, where it's, where it's like she's in a trance and you're just like, this is weird because it, his performance is selling to me that he would be this weirdly magnetic kind of hypnotic creature. Yeah, at the same time, it's a dude made of bees. <laughs> this is freaky. Ah, not the bees. <laughs> not the bees. So Candyman, basic premise, he's an urban legend, uh, and if you say Candyman five times in a mirror, he appears and kills you, and of course, naturally, teenagers yep. up and down the state are all like, ah, bullshit, bullshit, so they And he's got it. a backstory that's related to, like, slavery and, and racially motivated murder. Um, he has a crowbar for a hand. Well, it's a hook, hook. but it looks, it's sort of more crowbar yeah. in it. It's well, sharp, though. It's a sharp mother trucker. Because he'll... Uh, he does some shit with he'll it. He'll slit you open. Uh, from... He's also made of bees. Sometimes he's got like no car- carcass because he's, he's a skeleton covered in bees. He's not made of bees. He's, he's full he's of covered bees. Covered in bees. Covered in bees. He's covered in bees. Um, what the fuck am I doing? I'm running for MP. Um, uh, so true story. Covered um, in bees. Um, I'd love that. I said, I'm running for MP and I'll give everyone free bees. Free bees. Free bees for all missing the bees. I'll bring you bees. Bring, bring the bees. Bring to me and my bees. And jam and bees and jam. Um. <laughs> <laughs> It's always jam, because jam's a funny word. Jam is a funny word. Uh, I think that's the only reason we enjoyed that gag in Aladdin 2019. Or is the it, exotic jams. Is, it's like, mm, what's going on about the jam? <laughs> that's a great, great Stuart Lee bit, because uh, I watched a bit of Stuart Lee recently. I'm seeing him soon. Um, and well, it, in a gig, or are you just like... No, I'm just going to meet him. Hooking up with him. Yeah. No, I've seen him in April at Lowry. Um, <laughs> and um, he says, I was like, yeah, I'm not... 
I'm not making this up like Eddie Izzard pretends to do. Because <laughs> you understand that he's not... He's not making it up. He's, he's written it to look as if he's making it up. But he's not making it up. <laughs> and it's just... I love it when he just, like, deconstructs comedy. <laughs> I love it when he says what he thinks about James Corden. Um, so... Or Ben Elton. Um, yeah, or Russell Howard. He fucking goes in on Russell Howard in one of his Who games, likes Ben Elton? Nobody. Um, <laughs> God. Oh, it's no one. Uh, but yeah, Candyman, this one. Yeah. Fucking it, it's hell. like Halloween 2018. Yeah. It is It is the same name, and but it is a sequel, primarily ignoring the events of anything beyond the first Candyman. Mm-hmm. I've heard that it's not going to... It's not going to contradict, though. It's not doing a Halloween and like just erasing the others from existence. Well, because they, uh, but they it's, but don't... It's in, uh, yeah, but, it, but it's intended to be watched... Back to back with the original. From what I remember of the sequels, and I have seen both the sequels, and neither of them are particularly good. No, but what, but what a subtitle, though. They're not all Farewell to, to the, the Flesh. flesh. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, that one's set in New Orleans, and I'm not sure when Day of the Dead's set. Excuse me. Narlins. Narlins. Um So, I'm not sure about that stuff. Um, I know that it is co-written by Jordan Peele. And Monkey Paul Rosenfeld are and, producing it. And Nia DaCosta. It's produced by John Peel and directed by Nia DaCosta. So it's a female, female-helmed... Um, uh, movie. A uh, horror movie, which is, you know, cool. Uh, what else has she done? She's not a massively... Um, Prolific, Prolific so, director. As so. yet. But yeah, that, a couple of episodes that's of something the... John Peel's been very open about, though, with Monkey Paul, is he's wanting to... Oh, like, yeah. Bring more women and to the it's forefront. It's important and, to bring more new and, and non non white voices to the forefront as well as another thing that he's made a point of, which came under fire last year. But it was like, no, the dude's got a point. Like the way we even the playing field in Hollywood is by being selective in certain places. Yeah, and who are you going to trust? Somebody with some kind of weird. This is my agenda. Love me for it. Also, like John Peel was like, oh yeah, and I've just chosen to do this. And also look at what I've given you. Do you like it? Cool. Then trust me. Let me do this. Her previous uh, feature was. Uh, crossing the line, which is also known as Little Woods in some territories. Yeah, that's uh, with about. Tessa Thompson and Lily James that she wrote and directed in 2018. She's got a really um, good visual eye based on this trailer. Some of those establishing shots in the trailer are gorgeous. That she, one of like the chapel, yeah, like, community center covered in graffiti. It's like she, that looks so good. Directed a couple of episodes of the newer series of Top Boy. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and then now she's on the Candyman, and it looks like she's directed a remake of Sleeping with the Enemy. Oh. Ah, Candyman Spieler. Which, that's what pretty is this, decent. What is this Candyman? You look in the mirror and say his name three times. Candyman. And he comes out and gives you treats. Gets out. No, he doesn't give you treats. It's <laughs> um, also starring Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. Yes! Yes. Who was, of course, like Black Manta in Aquaman and uh, Cal in Watchmen. Mm. Very um, fucking good. Uh, also, Very fucking good. Also, and I didn't realise this until I looked it up, also starring Tony Todd. He's not listed on IMDb. He's he's listed on the old on the old wikis, mm. um, and I think it's because he mentioned it at a con. But the belief is Tony Todd will be reprising the role of the Candyman for some of the film. Yeah, and it seems based on the trailer, the idea is that this is an urban myth that has kind of gone away a little bit and he's until this guy starts poking around into looking it. for a successor, maybe. Yes, or is simply renewed in a way. 
because uh, somebody is pulling double roll duties based on the yes. casting. So it's like, okay. And that then. also fits into what happens in the original film. You've seen yeah. the original Candyman? Not for a while, but oh, I remember. I remember. Mate, I remember, I remember being kept up very, very it's late very at night, long after it had finished. I need to watch it with Keeks sometimes because she's not seen it. She's put off because she doesn't like eye stuff. Oh, and of like, course the poster is like a bee climbing a bee on an eye. Time. But from what I remember, there isn't actually any eye stuff in the film. Not that I can recall. I think there might be um, a hook to the face, unless it's one of the sequels. But Not nah, probably one of the sequels. Um, <laughs> there's a part in one of the sequels where someone shatters a mirror and then Candyman shatters like glass. Yes. That's pretty cool. That's in Farewell to the Flesh, I think. Um, Farewell to the Flesh is alright. It's a great title, though. <laughs> the title alone is, is worth the price. I actually am not sure I've seen Day of the Dead. I might have to see Day of the Dead. But uh, it's, this is also, and also continuing sort of Monkey Paul's tradition that seems to be a tradition now of using um, sort of classic R&B hits yeah. to fuck with you. In this case, Destiny's Child's why the f- Say My Name. Why the fuck would you not use Say My Name? And I think they've put some of Philip Glass's stuff in it as well. Yeah. Because the first movie has an incredible score by Philip Glass. Um, I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking good. forward to this. It's not out not long now. It's like April, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh... I might even be April, May. Like, so, yeah, with, with a lot of the low budget horror films, they do tend to advertise them like really close to the time. Do you remember the first Invisible Man trailer was like yeah. November? It was like the Invisible Man out in February. We're so expecting it in June, but the June, way Odin yeah. have been with horror films recently is yeah. it's been like I couldn't get a screen in a colour out of space. It's so weird. It's only showing at home, the home cinema. <clears throat> we'll just have to, sh- like just have to show it love as soon as it's up for renting mm-hmm. on. Uh, Sorry, was that? I didn't hear you say anything illegal. I've definitely not already seen it. <laughs> oh, God. Wireless, it means. Do you know it's what? definitely not very, very, very good. Do you know what film I feel like <clears throat> I've already seen a million times? Um, Harry Potter successes. Oh, no. Do you remember in the 2000s what, was when that was a Was it ever going to be anything else, though? Well, it'd been long enough that you'd think they would have learned, but recent interviews with the author, Owen Colfer, the author, ladies and gentlemen of Artemis Fowl, reveal that even he isn't sure what the movie's finished product is going to be like. Get ready for a Chris rant. Disney released the trailer to Artemis Fowl this week. The first full trailer after a teaser, which was released in... Drums, please! Late 2018, they released the teaser trailer. Late 2018! If I remember correctly, it was at a D23 or a Comic-Con. We didn't get to see it properly until earlier last year. But even so, that was because the film was meant to be out in August 2019. It was rescheduled rather subtly just before the summer to coming out this year. Namely, in, I believe, May of this year is when we get out. Uh, expected May 29th, yeah. <laughs> expected. Oh, God. Now... The setback at the time was just listed as, yeah, no, we've got there's other priorities this year and this that, and the other. It needs a little bit more time on the visual effects, so we're gonna we are gonna put it back instead of like forcing it into being rushed out. We're gonna put it back. That was the word that was put out there. Great, sure, okay, fine. Pai Jenkins did the same thing with Wonder Woman 1984. That was meant to be out last November, and she went, "This is more a summer blockbuster. I want to play with it a little longer. We're gonna put it out the next summer." And we all went, "Sure, fair enough, Patty Jenkins. We trust you. You do it." It's since come out that Artemis Fowl's had a lot of reshoots. Like a lot of reshoots, which are kind of obvious in the trailer. If you play a game of 
Which side of puberty is our actor? How you old can, is Ferdia Shaw? You can noticeably see the kind of physical difference in height and sometimes in tone of voice, so I imagine there'll be some voice correction in the post-production to make it work. Um, I'm going to... Right, you've watched the trailer, right? I have watched the trailer. You've seen the trailer? Yep. Uh, I'm now just going to very briefly describe to you the plot of the book Artemis Fell. Yeah. The reason why I, I was interested in this film, because I, I read it as a teen and, and loved it. I'm describing you the plot of Artemis Fowl. Describe me the plot of Artemis Fowl. And then I want you to tell me, based on your knowledge of Artemis Fowl from the trailer, what isn't quite the same. All right. So, the plot of Artemis Fowl is... Hang on, hang on. All right. Oh, oh. He's getting comfy. Oh. Oh. Oh, he's John Peters in it. Go. The the producer, not the farmer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, the farmer. (laughs) (laughs) He's John Peters, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, John Peters was also a producer on that Money Train film I watched yesterday. Oh, there you go. And when he met Robert Blake for the for the casting, he wrestled Robert Blake to the ground out of nowhere because he wanted to see if he would break. Oh my god, John Peters, ladies and gentlemen, not John, John Peters, Peters the, you farmer. Know, the farmer, you know, the farmer, the um, farmer. Um, anyway, <laughs> go. So, Artemis Fowl is set in a world where underneath our society, fairies and magical creatures exist. Thing is. They've been very well hidden for the longest ass time, despite having a world like ours just under the surface of our own. One day, Cadet Holly Shaw of the LEP Recon Unit. Not kidding. Alright, I'm out. I'm out. No, 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 no. I'm out. I'm out. Holly Shaw, Cadet Holly Shaw, who is a fairy, she's a she's essentially like, you know, sci-fi fairy police of the LEP Recon, is kidnapped and held hostage in a manor house by a psychotic 12-year-old who has technology he created made from butchered parts of fairy tech, who's learned about their world by gathering uh, information from a very specific book it's taken him years to gather and put together, kidnaps her, and alongside his monstrously cartoonishly sized butler, turns around to the world of the fairies and says, Hi, I want a specific deposit of your fairy gold, the most like profitable you know, a wonderful substance ever known to man. I want a gigantic freaking deposit of it delivered to me ASAP or I kill this cadet and expose you to the human world. So what happens is they don't go, oh shit, what do we do? They set up a sting operation outside of Foul Manor, trap it in a bubble, locked out of time and attempt to hostage negotiate and then just assault the manor in an attempt to get Holly Shaw out of there. Meanwhile, Holly Shaw tries to get it all sorted from the inside out. Weird things are sent in to try and deal with it all. Uh, and the only side of humanity that seems to be peeking through this super villain-esque comic book-like character that is Artemis Fowl is that further up in the mansion, his uh, his mother, who's suffering from like massively early-onset dementia... Uh, is the only person he seems to care about. And she's living in a room in the manner that he's trying to keep everybody out of. Uh, chaos ensues at one point. The, the Let Recon, which is led by um, Commander Root, who's like the, 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 the love child of the Brigadier and J. Jonah Jameson, uh, like chewing on cigars and spouting out sexist bullshit about Holly Short and how she's shit because she's a little girl. Um, he leads horrific assaults onto the house. At one point, they just chuck a troll into the house that's that part of the climax of the book um they send in a convicted criminal called mulch diggums who is a dwarf 
who unhinges his jaw, chews up the earth to make tunnels, and that's how he's been stealing stuff for years, and that's why he's under their arrest, uh, and then can rapidly shit it out like machine gun fire. <laughs> they send him in to try and take her out of there, and it's it's a hostage situation with a shitload of sci-fi chicanery. And the star of the book is a James Bond villain child who is, like, the nastiest piece of shit you could imagine. One of the first things he says in the first chapter is, is they're in, like, they're in, like, Egypt or somewhere and they're, they're finding the final pages of the book, the thing that will get him access to the world of the fairies. And he's like, says to the guy who's being reluctant to hand it over for a price, he says, I know of 50 ways right now where I could kill you and dispose of your body and no one would ever find you. But I think one of those ways would suffice, wouldn't you say? That's a line that this 12-year-old character says in the opening chapter of the book. I fell in love with Artemis Fowl as a book when I was young because, like, this is great. This is comic book nonsense in a book. It's James Bond. It's Green Lantern. It's all these weird things mushed together. And it's great and self-contained. Goes on. It has books later that sort of expand the story and things get a bit different. And over the course of it, Artemis becomes a little bit more in touch with an actual sense of humanity and understanding. But... It is a storybook about a villain. Did any of that appear in the trailer? I mean, there's a troll in the trailer. In a mansion. I remember that. I see your problem. Yeah. I just don't care about it. The film... <laughs> based on that trailer, the film is about... Oh, my dad's been stolen away. So I'm going to learn about all this stuff he was researching and become a super hit. Although he keeps saying, like, I'm become a, a criminal. You're like... You're trying to rescue your dad from monsters. That's not being a criminal. What well, is this? Dad is also a thief. Yeah, but why? What? Holly Short's like I'm your I, I'm Holly Short. I'm your like person on the inside. Fuck off! In all of the books, Holly Short is the main character, and she thinks Artemis is the worst thing in the world. She fucking despises him. I can see why. Mulch Diggums is just Josh Gad dressed as Rubius Hagrid. I guarantee you, we will not see him unhinge his jaw or shit stuff out of his back. I can see why Disney has sanded the edges of this. Why has it become a children, a child, like, this is your destiny, Artemis? Why is that the story? Because that's always the story with the Disney But that's not the book at all! I know it isn't the book There's adaptation, and then there's going, yeah, but we could do this instead. And you're like, hang on, let's just just change the names. Change the names of the characters, and you've got an original property there. Your rage will be vindicated when the Mm. movie comes out and no one likes it or sees it. I just... I'm really Apart from the fact it's going to make a billion dollars because it's a Disney movie. It doesn't affect my life because I'm going to die one day, but this ultimately doesn't mean shit in the grand scheme. But it's just really upsetting to see simply because it looks like it's undergone the Harry Potter treatment. What do I mean by that? In the early 2000s, after the first Harry Potter film was a massive success, and the book series was like the biggest selling thing on the planet, every film studio bought the rights to every kids and young adult novel from the last 20 years and started making adaptations. And do you remember any of them, folks? Of course you don't, because they're all exactly the fucking same movie. Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events, finally eventually done justice by the same team on Netflix where they were given no, no notes from above on what to do and they just went, should we just do the books as a show? Yeah, let's just do it. The Spiderwick Chronicles, which drastically changes massive elements of the books into one film. Uh, the Dark, Dark is Rising, rising yeah. yeah. Uh, the Golden Compass. Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Apparently the sequel's better. 
um, because the sequel doesn't try to follow on from the first one per se, per se, Jackson. Um, and Go, then the leave same, now. The same thing happened in the late 2000s with uh, young adult romance and sci-fi novels and dystopian novels. Twilight does really well, so suddenly the Hunger Games options are bought up. The Divergent series, like all these things are snatched up. The Maze Runner. The Maze Runner, they just make the same film, but with a different name. The, the tragedy of Artemis Fowl is the rights were snapped up in the mid-2000s. Owen Colfer, the author, worked with a lot of people on it in the early days. Because of course they did. It was like, oh, bring the author in. Let's talk about it. And then it went quiet. Then it happened. Then it went quiet. Then it happened. And then about six years ago, it was like, Disney are making it. Disney are doing it. It's on its way. And then about three years ago, we got, oh, by the way, that thing we said, it is still happening. Here it is. And now we've got it. And it looks like, it looks like this film, bar the quality of the visuals and the fact that we all now know Josh Gad is a thing in the mainstream, it looks like this film's yeah. just like been dropped out of a wormhole from 2002. It, it's one of these movies. And that's so depressing in a world of superhero films being the mainstream to not do a story Wait. where the, the main character is a child Wait. who's a supervillain. Wait. It's just... Ugh. What if it's good and they just sanded the edges off for the trailers? I doubt it. He spends the majority of the trailer being like, oh, what is this? I don't understand. You're a super genius murderer. Like, why, why, why? 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 Also, Holly Short, they've cast someone who's like 13. Holly well, Short. She is short. Holly Short is meant to be like, sort of in human years, she's described as looking to be in her like late 20s. And she's like, she, she's been through the world where cynicism. They recast Commander Root with Judy Dench. They've gender swapped the role, which... Didn't bother me at first because it should never really bother you that sort of thing until I had to think about it. Big part of Commander Root's uh, function in that first book is teaching young women and young dudes about the fact that there are going to be people in this life who underestimate you because you're a girl and you need to basically tell them fuck you and do your own thing. That's his role in it. I have a feeling Commander Root in this won't have the same impact being an elder, an elder stateswoman like Judy Dench. It won't be the same function as a role. Unless she is proof that people will underestimate you because of your gender and size, and you and you can. Yeah, but she's also a fairy. Her. She's also a fairy. She is also a tiny lady using technology to be a police person in a world of fairies and monsters and stuff. And also, it looks like the narrative device is is talking like the trailer opens with Mulch Diggums in custody, and they're like, right. Tell us about the, the the man. It's like it's not the man, it's the boy. It's like is the narrative device gonna be mulch dig here's the thing. Josh Gad, it looks like they've made him into becoming like this oh god, he looks a bit seedy. Mulch Diggums is a fucking comedy villain. He's a com- he's the penguin. You know what I mean? He's he's which ironically Josh Gad would probably do a decent penguin, but um he's the penguin. He's he's that's what he is. He's he's this weird comedy villain who rocks up in each of the books in a different scenario, usually with a different alias trying to make a life for himself now that he's on the run from the law and they find him again. He's like, oh, for fuck's sake! And that's his thing. He's this weird, gnarly, oddball little creature. And in this... So Josh Gad? Well, that's the thing. When they said Josh Gad, I was like, okay. And then I look at him on the poster in particular, but also in the trailer, and it's like, they tried to make him look like kind of a rogue, like a cool rogue kind of character. And then on the poster you go, oh, and when he's clean, which he shouldn't be, he's never described as clean. Mulch Diggums is covered in shit at all times. But you look at him on the poster, it's like, that's Hagrid. He's dressed as Hagrid. The coat is Hag... You couldn't be more transparent in who you're trying to win over here. This is nuts. It's so strange. I, uh... 
I'm going to die one day and I have, I have more important things in the meantime to deal with, like, you know, taxes and feeding my puppy, but I, this still, uh, this still irked me. It got, it rustled my jimmies. I can't tell. It, it pinched my tits. Tell me about a good thing, Matt. Tell me about something that's really good, preferably in spoilerific terms, because you gave me spoiler-free thoughts on it earlier this week on Big Damn Channel on YouTube. If you've got the Big Damn Channel, you can watch a spoiler-free review of this movie that we're about to talk about that I'm segueing into really obviously, Matt, The Invisible Man. There is nothing good in this world. Oh, is the film that bad? Film's great. Yay! Um, Invisible Man, directed uh, by Lee Wanell. <gasps> uh, Lee starring... Upgrade Wanell. Lee Upgrade. Did Lee... you see Upgrade? I've not seen Upgrade. It's I've heard. I've heard it's basically good, Venom, but good. It's good. It's good. Um, and there's a bit, isn't there? There's a bit where he like swallows bullets and then fires them out of his palm. Not quite. He Someone loads bullets, bullets into their arm and fires them out of their palm. Oh, okay, right. It's very much about like cyborgs and and that kind of thing. It's very good. Uh, someone uh, kills someone with like a, a breath weapon where they breathe out like little nano shards yeah. into this guy's face and then they burrow into his in, into his brain and kill him. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking... It's good. Um, Lee Weenall is, is very much in that same wheelhouse of like, I want to create some visuals that are going to be fucking awesome. Well, he co-wrote the first Saw. He's in it. Oh, yeah, he was yeah, in it. He's, he's the, the, the guy in the he's, he's, the, um, he's, the, he's, the, he's the dirty photographer... Um, he's in it. He's Did in it. it he's in it because he starred in the short that they made to yeah. sort of pilot yeah, it yeah. And, and and workshop it to film to film studios. Um, but yeah, it's him opposite Carrie Elwes, which you just know it's like. So it's my first feature film. Um, you know, I'm opposite Carrie Elwes. Who should we cast in your part? And I went, fuck it, me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play him. I want to play against uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> Against the Dread Pirate Roberts. You know why people should believe him? Because unlike most other Robin Hoods, he speaks with an English accent. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Invisible Man. <laughs> it's it's a not Bl- Star Carrie Elwes. It's a Blumhouse Universal co-production. Uh, starring Elizabeth Moss, Harriet Dyer, Aldous Hodge, Storm Reid, Michael Dorman, Oliver Jackson, uh, Cohen, and some other people... As well. Other humans born um, from the ashes of Universal's Dark Universe. So Elizabeth Moss is Celia Cass. She escapes from her um, her abusive uh, abusive partner uh, and tech genius Adrian Griffin, and she's trying to start over, but she's constantly afraid that he's going to come after her. And then she finds out that he has committed suicide, and she thinks everything's over. And she, he has a, he's left his estate and, and money to her, conditional that she stay out of trouble, that she not commit any crimes and, and prove to be of sound mind. To which she reads and is like, well, a fucking course, like, yeah. why, why would I do these? And things? then shit starts happening. Weird shit. Weird shit. Like maybe she's not alone when she's alone and. Aren't we all? And then, then always masturbate like soon, somebody's watching. Yeah. Make eye contacts and do it furiously. Um, <laughs> but only if you have consent. What's, um, hum- what's humming tunes from Willy Wonka? <laughs> if you want to <laughs> Yes! Come uh, with me and you'll be... Fucking hell. Um, uh, so she's Willy trying- Wonka remake, Set in the Dark Universe, is coming out in 2022. Yeah. So she's trying to, you know, build a new life for herself. Supported by her sister and her friend James and his daughter um, Sydney, 
Um, and he and she she quickly sort of descends into being convinced that Adrian isn't dead, that he's found a way to make himself invisible, and he's fucking with her. Good God! So essentially, they looked at the premise of the Invisible Man and went, "Okay, so normally it's about a guy who's murderous." Yeah. Let's make let's it about, just make let's make it about a guy who's a stalker. Yeah. Let's let's hollow man it. It is very hollow man. Uh, random question. Yes. Is it as good as Hollow Man? It's better than Hollow Man. Interesting. Because Hollow, it's hollow less Man. Rapey than hollow hollow man. man. Yeah, that's the thing about Hollow Man. That, but that aspect made it feel like a very dangerous, fucking terrifying movie. Yeah. Um, but also slightly exploitative in the way it handles that's things. The, yeah. That's um, the kicker. This where, is not. This is very much. These, these, I mean, Lee Wienall is a guy with a pedigree of someone who loves horror. Yeah. And he knows what scares people. The reason the first saw, lesser so the latest, but the reason the first saw is still so effective is because it gets under your skin. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, how, how much more invasive can you be than, oh, the monster, it's already in the room with you right now. You just, you just haven't noticed it yet. Well, there's a lot of that because there's an awful lot of this film, which is lingering shots on empty spaces. Mm-hmm. Waiting for you as the viewer to try and spot something. Like, why have they left us here? Right, what am I, what am I looking for? And sometimes I'm and guessing shit all happens. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the first... See, oh, I had a conversation with, with Kanish. So spoilers for The Invisible Man. I'm going to get into it now. Spoilers um, for a story that is sort of over 100 years I mean, old. Although the trailer, this is the latest interpretation. A lot of the stuff's in the trailer. Time code it, in the description, yeah. folks, if you want to skip ahead. Um, to Doctor Who. Spoiler, there is an Invisible Man. Um... <laughs> What? It's sunk it. Uh, it's not because me and Kanisha had this conversation when we were coming out of it. It's like how, how, how much they did and didn't sort of try and convince you that there was that there might not be an invisible man that it might all be in in Cecilia's head. And I argue that they didn't really do that at all because the first thing out of the ordinary that happens mm. is after Adrian has quote unquote committed suicide and left everything to Cecilia. Celebrates, da, 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 da. she's making breakfast the next morning. She's cutting mushrooms, and it's this great long one shot. Mm. It's like of of the kitchen over the breakfast bar with the stove on the, and then she's cutting on the breakfast bar. James comes in, he goes to work, they say goodbye, and he's like, "Oh, go wake Sydney up for school before, you know, before she's not late. I'm going to work." She's like, "All right, cool." So she goes to wake Sydney up, mm-hmm. and it's this one long um, shot where the knife. She's put on the breakfast batter. Yeah. After she walks away, it falls off the, the countertop. Right. But it doesn't hit the ground. <gasps> oh! So you see it fall. Oh! Or be pulled. Yeah. And then you don't hear anything. So it's not fallen, someone's just grabbed it and pulled yeah. it to their side. Oh, that's horrible. And then it, it, carries on, it carries on. It carries on. It's just this long... She doesn't come back into shot for ages. Yeah. She doesn't come back into shot until... It just holds on that shot of the kitchen, and then Oof, sorry, that's 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 rustling my jibbies. And then you hear the uh, the flame on the stove, like be turned up, and yeah. the gas got, and it, it's all, you can hear more gas being pulled into it. And then, sure enough, the pan wherever all the all the breakfast is 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 cooking bursts into flame. And that's when Sydney and Cecilia rush back into frame and they put it out with a fire extinguisher, yeah. which is foreshadowing for later that there's a fire extinguisher in the house. Oh, um, okay, that's oh, I'm guessing just sprays him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's like God, that's, that's creepy. That's like 
Oh. 15 minutes in. They're just like, linger. Yeah. Linger. Oh, did someone just... No. Wait a minute, hang on. It didn't make a noise when it... Oh. I clocked that immediately. Oh. And I think and I think Kanisha missed it completely. And because she missed it, she thought there was supposed to be some sort of ambiguity. But I don't think there was, there's ever supposed to be any sort of ambiguity as to whether there's an invisible man or not. Does the knife come back into play? Yes. Oh, yeah. All yeah. um, that. So, because it's, it's one of those where the ambiguity is not for the audience, the ambiguity is for the other characters. Yeah. It's, 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 when the film wants you to know he's there, it lets you know yeah. he's there. It's Cecilia's sister, Emily, and her friend James and his daughter, Sydney, who the ambiguity is there for. Because mm-hmm. James is a police officer. Yes. So when things start getting rough so eventually said invisible man frames Cecilia for the murder of her own sister fuck which he does in public oh what huh wait hang on right so so she's starting to go a bit off the rails yeah. and she's going crazy and she and but he so Adrian sends um uh, email to Emily from yeah. Cecilia's computer yeah, of of supposedly Cecilia like telling Emily how awful she is. Yeah, so that sort of fractures their relationship. And Cecilia arranges a meet up in a public place mm-hmm. to sort of explain everything. After she's been back to the house mm-hmm. and found a suit that can become invisible, so it's a suit, right? And it's basically a black like sort of morph suit, but it's fil- it's covered in hundreds and hundreds of little cameras and presumably projectors as well. So when it's when it's unclosed. So the explanation here yeah. isn't oh it's a No they they say early it's on a magic he's, potion. He's it's... a he's a tech he's a tech inventor. He's a, yeah. he's an expert in optics. That's where his millions come from, yeah. I assume. Yeah. yeah. But it's that whole thing of like and you see her go through the lab as she's running, as she's leaving the house at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And and you can and like the sort of hexagon um, motif that you see on the suit is like represented in stuff like his uh, desktop wallpapers and yeah. branding for his company and stuff like that. So it's not man um, takes magic potion to become no, invisible no, and gets stuck that way. It's, it's man wears is willingly wearing suit to be invisible. Yeah. Okay. And it is like, and it is with like, it looks like because of the way the suit's designed, it just looks like he's covered in eyes. Ooh. Huh? Oh, like because there's little camera yeah. lenses. Right. So she gets this suit because obviously there's more than one. Mm-hmm. She gets the suit and then she she hides it somewhere safe and then she wants to use it as proof that he's not dead. So mm-hmm. she she arranges this meeting with Emily and is about to tell her about everything and then you just see the knife from before. hovering in the hair out in the air behind Emily. Yeah. And oh. then uh, and then he cuts the throat. Oh God! And she bleeds to death out in the public and then he puts the knife in Celia's hand. Oh God! Oh, and that's the sort of the start of the descent where she's arrested then, and then yeah. she's put in a psychiatric unit. Yeah, because she's she's claiming that her dead um, partner is coming for her, and James obviously is a police officer who starts looking into the case. Yeah, so their friendship is fractured. What's Invisible Man's goal after that then? Like he wants to take he wants to still want, does he still want to abuse her? And, and he wants to, first. Nuts, first of all, he wanted to just abuse her. Mm-hmm. And fuck her up and fuck her over, because he's that kind of person. Yeah, like in, to fake his death and virtually not exist. Mm. And after all this is done, probably hasn't thought about what the fuck he's going to do. Then he just is. 
um, sadistic and vindictive enough to want to take revenge in that sort of yeah very elaborate elaborate way yeah Ugh. and also make her make her life fall apart because no one believes her. But then what? Then what's his goal? But then he finds out that she's pregnant. Oh. And she had been taking birth control unbeknownst to him. Yeah. Because she knew that if she got pregnant and she had a baby, then she wouldn't be be able to leave. Yeah. Um, Like, even if she did, she'd be seeing him all the damn time. Yeah. Only, of course, he knew. So he swapped out her birth control. Oh, God. So she has been... So she's obviously gotten pregnant. Yeah. Um, oh, she's very controlling, like, what she wears, where she goes, what she does, what she says. So what happens then? Is he, like, he wants to get her back out of there? So his or? brother's a lawyer, and he's also the executor of his estate. Right. Okay. And he's the one who, like, organised the... Contract and the, the will. And he's initially sympathetic to Cecilia, because he's like, yeah, he's a fucking narcissistic sociopath. Hmm. He was like that when we were growing up, he abused me as well. Hmm. I, I understand where you're coming from. But it's done, it's over, he's gone. And then, through his brother, he's like, you can make a phone call and go back to him and we can just make it all go away. So it then becomes a blackmail thing. Oh, God. Um, oh, my God. This whole thing's just creepy. It's very creepy. It's, so it's, creepy. it's very much about abuse and yeah. um, oh, sort of control. Um, and it's, you know, one thing, of course, leads to another and... I don't want to tell you everything that happens. They, they, I'm assuming it go, comes down to a <laughs> climactic battle of sorts. There is a climactic battle. It doesn't end the way you think. Oh, yeah. And also there's a little bit of movie after that. Oh! Things, you know, things wrap oh, yeah. up. Is it, is it, is it a self, is it a self-contained story? It is a self-contained with, with story. The, with the usual horror kind of, oh, but maybe at the end. Not, not a, sequel bait, but like a... There is potential like for Like a them, thriller video turning back to the camera with yellow eyes kind of moment. There is a potential for them to do more with this, mm-hmm. but it would be a very different film. Mm. Well, now that they've revealed that it's technology... Yeah, it might not even have to be the same characters. absolutely do Yeah, you could do anything with it. Because this is, like I said before, this is born out of the ashes of the dark universe because Universal don't, they don't own Dracula, Frankenstein, like the Wolfman. They own the most iconic screen versions of those characters. Still to use the name of those characters is sort of seen as like, well, that's a bit tricksy, isn't it? Especially the title. Like, that's why you'll never see Dracula movies that are just called Dracula. Yeah, because it's public domain. You can't protect that copyright. Yeah, but at the same time... You get the sense that people go to Universal to be like, just so you know, we're making one of these films. Yeah, because um, like, like, because like, I mean, Dr- people... like, the the two sort of most iconic versions of Dracula, I'd say now when you look back at it, to to movie goers, like to, to mainstream kind of reaction, is either people's passing knowledge or actual knowledge of the like, nineteen thirty one movie. Yeah, or the ninety three Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, the the Francis Ford Coppola's classic. Yeah, well, I I, fucking, I know where the bastard sleeps. I fucking love Bram Stoker's it's Dracula. Awful, and I fucking love I'm glad that Winona Ryder convinced Francis Ford Coppola to make it. Like she wanted to do it, and Oldman was like, it. "You want me to wear stupid wigs? I'm in." Oldman's down for whatever. Um, like you just say, Gary Oldman and say, "We want you to do a funny voice and wear a bit of weird makeup." He's like, "All right." I mean, to be fair, Hopkins is a great Van Helsing. Oh, he's great. Uh, Keanu, it's not his finest hour. Um, I know where the bastards... It's so good. <laughs> I know where it's the bastards... so good. Um, 
But yeah, so like those that I mean, obviously, obviously people are now already furiously writing in their comments in their heads right now, saying, "What about Christopher Lee? How about Of course, of course, all that is iconic. But I'm talking about like when you say to somebody Dracula film, one of the two that will come to their head is like Bela Lugosi or Gary Oldman. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but even then, the Gary Oldman one is called Bram Stoker's Dracula. There's there's a detachment. It's not a universal flick. Yeah. There's a detachment of like. Well, if we do that, we've got to ask these guys. And apparently Lee Weenall and, and the team behind this film, like, and the Blumhouse lot, did talk to Universal and go like, yeah. right, so you're not doing yours anymore. We would like to do this one. Can we do X, Y, and Z? And Universal gave it their blessing, which led to rumours about a year and a half ago when all that came out, that Universal are like, hmm, if this works, maybe we met, well, maybe we help Blumhouse make whatever the next film is in this series if they want to carry on doing the classic also, monsters. Well, also, so I wouldn't be surprised if this all becomes this becomes an accidental backdoor into well, a new interconnected film series. Think of how much money they spent on the mummy. Oh Jesus, yeah. The, the yeah. Tom Cruise one. This costs seven million Tom Cruise, you mean that young man? The young man that the script keeps referring to him as a young man. In his the, dra- the writers of the original draft have gone out of their way of saying, yeah, we didn't write any of that. No. The final draft, which was co-written slash edited by Tom Cruise's writers who he brought in when he signed on to the film. That's the version where they refer to him as a young man. It's bad. Tom Cruise is so fucking odd. Let's not even get to the religion side of it, but like whenever you see interviews of people who work with him like for longer than a couple of weeks, yeah. they all go, he's amazing. He's lovely. He's really lovely. He's really involved and... and, and and, and open with you and your life and he wants to know everything's alright he looks out for you and your own he treats the crew like their family you know he buys random gifts for everyone he's great and you're like wow alright and then you take one look at his personal life and you go oh oh that's and, and any stories of people who work with him for just like a couple days and it's it's like oh no he's, he's just he's very off he's very like and you think is it just you get used to him over time or is he just kind of? Oh, I know. Hey, I know. I'm in the long haul. So nice guy, mode. Elizabeth Moss is a Scientologist as well. Yeah, oh God, it's interconnected. Yeah. This is the real dark um, universe. This costs seven million dollars to make. Well, that's that's. It yeah. does not look cheap. Seven million dollars to make. Uh, everyone will have been paid in Hollywood equivalent a pittance. Yeah. To work on this. Well, there's no big star. Elizabeth Moss is the biggest star in it. She's a, she's a big TV star. So that that this could be her yeah. bridging. This could be a bridging film into more film roles because they've absolutely cast her because A, she'll have been right for the role, and B, TV stars are in your home. Yeah. You put one of them, especially the lead of a TV show, in a small movie, and more often than not, people go, yeah, I'll go see that. I really like them in etc. etc. I really like them in what's And she gets to do plenty of the Elizabeth Moss stare, so... (laughs) Which I now have hidden in various locations in my house. Yeah, Kanisha enjoyed. It. We 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 made fun of the Elizabeth Moss there so much that I opened my underwear drawer this morning to take, you know, to put my underwear on, and there was a printed out picture of Elizabeth Moss doing the Elizabeth Moss stare in a Handmaid's Tale, looking straight up at at me from my sock drawer. There's also one now, one other one that I found, which I'm not revealing the location not to Chris because I want him to find it. Um, oh God, and. <laughs> So yeah, it's mm. this. They could use this as a backdoor for a dark universe thing, easily. Well, especially that it's a suit. Yeah, 
Like you, you. It's like okay, so we are gathering because what's interesting there is Lee Weenall is a huge fan of horror mm. and the legacy of horror. Um, so this is him going, okay, I'm not. I want to tell an Invisible Man story. I'm not adapting the book, but I am adapting the main takeaway from the book, which is the sense of paranoia and unease. Yeah, which is what makes the book scary and what makes the you know the bloody who was it played him at Claude Rains. Yeah, they think I'm crazy. I'll show you crazy. No, no, which was which was the vocal inspiration for Mark Hamill's Joker. Ah, nice. Although Um, there is an homage to the bandages. It's like Archie's in hospital after, like one after things start to after one of the early sort of. Occurrences. Is there someone in bandages? Uh, yeah, so, someone is being wheeled out of a of a room like covered in like a burn victim covered in bandages, and they make eye contact. Yeah, and she's just like. Uh... <laughs> Meanwhile, Lee Weedle leans into shot, and goes like, "Hey, did you get it? Did you get um, it? It's like the old it, film. It, it, it's subtle, and, and it's also one of those things that they put in the trailer to sort of yeah. throw you off. Is, is, is that him? Is that even man? There are a couple of moments that are in is the trailer that aren't in the film. Like when she's taking a shower and you see the handprint on the glass. Like okay. That's not in the film. That's there to be. That's there but to illustrate that, a point. It makes that, a good poster. That scene is in the film, but the handprint isn't. Oh, so they've so done it to fuck so you're with you. Expecting it. They've done it to fuck it with you. Like there are a lot. There are there are moments where. Can you, you know, see him in the steam? Is that where no. he is in the film? No, so he's not even in that. He's scene. He's not even in that scene, as far as I can tell. Okay, that's weird then, because <laughs> it's like yes, it makes. If you see the trailer and then see the film, it's playing a trick on you. No, it must be. But if you see the film long after the trailer's out, you're just like, so a random shower scene, guys. <laughs> Yeah, random well, you, can't, you can't tell which scenes he is and isn't in until he. Mm. I suppose I suppose it still works because it's a moment of vulnerability. It's like she's yeah. vulnerable right now. But because also one of the early things and you as an audience are aware that there's an invisible that, thing in the house, and you're like, oh fuck, oh fuck. Oh, she's fuck, staying at she's staying at a friend James's, who's yeah. a police officer, and she's sharing a bed with his teenage daughter, right? Because um, they're quite close. Mm. And one of the early scenes, again, no ambiguity about this at all. Is like there is an invisible man. Is they're asleep. And he and something drags the covers off him. Yeah, and then oh. you just see, and then you just see the flash of a camera. Oh, oh God, no! Ooh, ooh, ooh. Is the photo then used later? Yeah. Like, okay, right. So he he leaves. Say, imagine a, if it wasn't. It'd be like, oh, that's oh. He leaves a oh, bunch. Of, he leaves a bunch of stuff in the attic for her to later find. Yeah, including the knife. Yeah, and also. Um, like print out the phone times he's been that he took the pictures on. Oh right. Oh. Uh, uh, but then he gets the drop on her, so she doesn't get a chance to give that phone to anyone else to prove that. So he's giving her a glimmer of hope of I've got yeah. evidence, and then is like, ah, fucking left it there on purpose. Yeah, I've got you. And also, there's a great Oof. scene at towards, towards the end. The suit gets damaged, hmm. and so these great moments of like this whole sequence as they're both escaping from the psychiatric hospital and these guards coming in and out of, and there's some action fighty stuff. Mm-hmm. So some of it is like just guards throwing themselves around as if they're being thrown around by an invisible person. But the suit is blinking in and out of visibility. Right. Like bits of it are. Yeah. So you're seeing like parts of the body. Yeah. And you're seeing this like layer of lenses just yeah. suddenly show up. Oh, that's weird. It's very, it's Ooh, very striking. Weird. It's very striking and very very cool. Do we know what the box office is yet? Uh, pretty quickie... good as far as I'm aware. Because it's good. This film will make a profit It costs nothing. It, it costs fuck all. Seven million to make, probably an additional ten million in marketing. Usually, I... usually marketing is double the budget. So like a two hundred thousand, a two hundred million film 
the full budget post marketing is four hundred million. Invisible, like this has had mostly a viral ad campaign. Yeah, there's, but there's been banners in the states. But I've not seen anything over here, really. So you're looking at like okay, realistically, maybe maybe twenty million ad campaign. Maybe maybe twenty million. So um, let's say, let's say let's round it up to thirty mil. Thirty mil total for the cost of this thing. So look, let's see what Forbes says. Forbes says. Uh, 28.2 million domestic debut. Right, and that is opening weekend in the States. That's not worldwide gross. That's, that's, it's opening weekend in the States. Yeah. So. On a it, 7 million dollar budget. It has nearly, it's definitely, if you, if the marketing budget is 20 mil, it's made its money back on the opening weekend in the States. Yeah. This is not counting, this stuff is like... not counting worldwide release, second week of take, and also the inevitable home media release as well. So compare that to like the Wolfman, which made 131 yeah. million on a 150 million dollar budget. Yeah, fuck yeah, that was a uh, thing. 2010's the Wolfman. But even even oh my god, 2017 the Mummy, that was a 120 million dollar budget, but it made 409 million. Mm. But they must have spent so but, much but more again, in sunk costs. The marketing would have been the, closer to 300 yeah. mil, and even if it makes a hundred mil profit, like that's not necessarily. A profit for the studio based on what else Universal were putting out that year, because that's the thing as well. A fi- one of your films could do gangbusters; it yeah. could do really well. But if your other movies that year haven't done as well, you look at the end of it and you go, "Right, well, what we're not going to do is more of the expensive one because we can't afford to do that, and we're going to do this instead." So uh, yeah, it's, it's it's good, man. The, it's, so it's one of two movie. things is going to happen now: either Invisible Man sequel is going to be greenlit immediately. Or they're going to go, right, Lee Weenal, what classic monster do you want to work on next? Creature from the Black Lagoon. In an ideal world, the response would be, right, Lee Weenal, what movie would you like to make next? Yeah, yeah. But you know it's going to be, right, what classic monster that's in the public domain do you want to work with next, Lee Weenal? And how can we connect it to the Invisible Man? But Creature from the Black Lagoon would be fun. Yeah. Because um, it hasn't really had a modern remake. Yeah. And Swamp Thing's great. Just point out. Yeah. Again, Swamp Thing is great. So, like, there's, um, there's been so. umpteen versions of Dracula and Frankenstein and, and all that stuff. Frankenstein would be a good one, too, just because there's not been a modern take on it. That's been good? That's been good. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the ICV series? Uh, I remember oh, you telling me about that's it. That's order. And, um, and the BBC Three musical one was fun. And is the, uh, the I the Frankenstein. concert. Oh, Jesus, was, of course! Yeah. <gasps> oh, no, no, And no, no, Victor no. Frankenstein by uh, noted, noted abuser, hack, and no, now career coach, Max Landis. Um, I know, what the I don't, fuck? What, in, what, in what world does someone go? You know, I've, I've had to... Go away, take a, prof- take a professional name change for your CV, <sighs> and become a script editor. Fuck off, go and do yeah. your thing quietly, make your living, don't abuse people. I'm going to be a career coach. No, Fuck I'm going to come that. back. Fucking. That's white privilege props, and arrogance. Props to Scott Derrickson right there. for calling him out. Yeah. And, and sort of being the first person to go, everybody, just so you know, uh, this guy's doing this now. This guy's doing this. Enjoy! Um, um, Jesus, just nuts. Invisible nuts. man, you can't see him. His time is now. John Cena for the sequel. Um, <gasps> although they'd have to make the sequel I'm a bit bigger. I'm not fucking kidding. Because John Cena doesn't quite. I'm not even fucking kidding. Can the sequel be John Cena as the person who has to track? Does it right? Does the Invisible Man himself survive the events of the movie? No. Does his tech survive? Yes. Right. So sequel. 
someone's using it and they've got to be brought down by uh like police unit john cena plays the guy who has well, to take him down the... <gasps> or even better yeah just cast john cena and then it's like oh my god this is the greatest bit of of easy marketing ever <laughs> well the film is kind of the amb- tagline is just you can't see him there is a little bit of ambiguity in the film because oh it emerges towards the end no that's dumb but it would be amazing at the same time it emerges towards the end that there may have been more than one invisible man oh there may shit. have been more than one person and that's why there's two suits wearing the suit it's not just oh he's got another one well it's, no because no, there's, there's two people there's, there's the suit that you see being worn yeah and there's the suit that Cecilia hides so there's two suits so there's at least three there's a, there's a, there could only be two. Oh right okay so the way else it's done there could it. only be two he's giving it to someone else while he's like but gone for a shit or gone for breakfast somewhere presumably wearing a fake moustache there's a degree of ambiguity aren't you dead no over <laughs> who was wearing the suit at what time yeah uh, I think it's fairly straightforward, but th- there is a there is shuffle room. Yeah. Um. Uh, but nah. The people who were the, pe- the the people who could have been are dead. Right. But the suit isn't is at least one of the suits is still around. Okay. Okay. John Cena in the Invisible Man too. You can't. see One of him. them will be. Would probably be in police custody. Then a rogue policeman, played by John so. Cena, steals the suit. Oh, you go the other way. You have someone nick it and have them like try to right wrongs, and then use the power play of it of like, oh fuck, this has gone to their head. Like they feel like a god. They can do shit. They which then before. You, you know, see a good person become a horrible fucking person. Which then, I mean. <clears throat> Because then it's a different, it's a different story, but it's a, another thing about like emotional manipulation and, and what. There like, might also be a little bit someone. of that in this. Oh, okay. Oh. Towards the end, and she, and she also, spare suit. And also. Oh my god! Is there an invisible person versus invisible person fight? And, and no. Oh. There isn't that. Because that'd be fucking hilarious. But, that'd be why the movie only cost seven million. Okay, so ready for a take? And action. Well, I think I. They Wait, there's no did... one on set. Lee, that's how it was written. I think they did something <laughs> with a green with a green suit because there's a scene earlier on where <laughs> poor Elizabeth Moss is getting the shit beat out of her in the kitchen. That's the bit where she's being like held up by her throat and yeah. against the kitchen wall and the trailer. The way that she's being thrown around and stuff, it, it like there's physical... being someone that like it doesn't look like she's not throwing herself. It's not Fight Club. Yeah. Like you know t- I mean? five million dollars of the seven yeah. million dollar budget has gone to erasing this person out of a sequence. Yeah. <laughs> And the same with the with like the the psychiatric psychiatric hospital t- bit towards the end where the suits flashing in and out, like I some of that must have been done with the green screen suit, I... green suit. But it, I I'd be really fascinated to see how they did it, how they did some of those sequences. Um, because uh, and, and some of it was is as simple like when I was been out there. Yeah, some of it has been out there saying like yeah, some of it was just string. Fair enough. Some of it was just things on string. Does it work? Yes. Then yeah. keep doing it. It was the Fair best enough. thing to do for for that shot. But the, the the only thing that decided what we used for which shot was what was the best way to do it. Good on him. So and it cost seven million. Like sounds like they shot to spec. Like he was like, I know exactly what shots we need. Then so we're not going to overshoot. Yeah, because there are some which is very... like thirty percent of a movie's budget is them just shooting stuff they don't need to shoot. It, it per is se. very specifically framed to give a certain effect in certain sequences. Mm. Um. Ooh, and often it is just held shots on nothing but it, it creates that feeling of paranoia 
Anyway. Divisible Man. Divisible Man. Go see it. It's good. <laughs> see it. See it. Uh, so Doctor Who Series 12 finished. Yeah, it did. Let's talk about it. Overall thoughts on the scene. Let's talk about non. Let's talk about the totally non-controversial subject. Well, let, well let's start of Doctor with Doctor Who. Let's start with overall thoughts on the season. Season twelve is our second. I think it's our second ten episode season. Yeah. Oh, series ten a ten episode season. Depends if you include resolution or not. No, no, series ten. The the last Capaldi. Oh one. right. Uh, no, I, I think, think that, that was eleven. Mm, Could be wrong. Probably. Yeah. I think it was ten, but we had Christmas special either side of it. Could be wrong. Yeah, hang on, hang on. All right, all right. Here we go. Here we go. People are going to be screaming at this. The pilot, smile, uh, thin ice, that one with David Suchet, <laughs> oxygen, uh, <laughs> that one with David. The Suchet. Monk trilogy, which was shit. Um, yeah, it was Empress 11. of Mars uh, was eleven episodes um, or twelve. I, mean, I think you've already done more than ten. Um, no, that's nine there, because uh, there was Doctor Falls and 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 uh, it was well enough in time. It was eleven. Well, okay, so that was it. What was the David Suchet? No, it was twelve. One? Oh, what was the one I missed out? So look, turn this way. Uh, turn it this way, Sean. Pilots, knock, pile, knock. Thin ice. The one I forgot to mention the yeah. name of. Knock, um, knock. Oxygen, extremist, of light. pyramid, light, light, light was on. Yeah. Um, World Enough in Time. And the Dr. Fwalls. Dr. Fwalls. Uh, okay, so, yeah, so last series was a 10 episode and then Resolution and this was a 10 episode. Uh, I've got to say, overall, series 12, I enjoyed. I had fun with season 12. I did quite a lot. I can't um, really think of one that was a proper duffer. I think I think there was lots where it was just kind of like, uh Like, I mean, I've already talked about how I, I felt Orphan 55 just tonally. For me, at the end, it was like, this feels weird, the way they've done it. It's just odd. Same, same with Praxius. Praxius kind of by the end of it, I sort of felt like nothing had happened. Weirdly, mm. in in the realm of the story itself, um, beyond like its external message. At the same time, the opening of it was really promising. Yeah, like the the world hopping stuff is like, oh, this is cool, and then it's like, oh, now we're all just on this hut on the beach, and we're going to be here for the next twenty minutes. Oh, now we're in a pile of rubbish underground. We're going to be here for the next ten minutes. Mm. Okay, and we're done. Um, it's like I wasn't won over by them. I loved Spyfall. On reflection, I love Spyfall. Spyfall was really good. I think Spyfall is fucking excellent. Um, I like Fugitive of the Jadoon quite a lot. Fugitive of the Jadoon is great. I think Fugitive of the Jadoon will stand out as like a multi-doctor story kind of vibe. Yeah. Like one of those where people go, oh, do you remember that one where that thing happened and we all couldn't believe it? Let's watch it. It was definitely a thing that yeah, people couldn't it, believe. It, that works really well. Um, uh, oh God, what was the fourth episode? Oh, Nicola Tesla's Night of Terror. Terror. That was great. I really enjoyed that just one. Just with him in the title alone, honestly. But again, just central performances, yeah. the look of the villains. Like the I like that the they... period stuff was different because it was American period stuff, which is so rare in British TV. The reason why we have so many dramas produced in like the late Victorian era and the reason why so many Doctor Whos happen in the late Victorian yeah. era, UK or Europe, is because... Studios have those costumes at arm's reach. Yeah. They're, they're they're so easy to get hold of, and locations are so easy to find because yeah. like National Trust and English Heritage upkeeping all these places. Um, so the fact that we got a period piece set in America at the turn of the century, way more entertaining. I, I honestly, um, I honestly think that the the decision to stick to Earth while limiting in terms of story stories, possibilities yeah moving through time meant that they were able to double down on things like historical figures true which I found really cool yeah I don't hate interesting. that um, I mean it does make me go alright next series 
challenge that next series i want to come to earth maybe three times yeah give us alien planets let's go weird um but you know we've had a series mostly on earth next series take us away from earth like crazy for a year like make us go what the hell is all this um we were re-watching season 14 at the minute and it's so, like, just the, the amount of different planets in that first yeah. few stories. Like, even though the stuff set on Earth, like Hand of Fear, of course, like, has a chunk of it set on Earth. It's like, these different places feel so different. Mandragora set oh. in the past, but it feels like a different world because of the cult. So you've recently seen Mask of Mandragora? Yes. I mean, for, on, on a slight, on a slight, slight deviation, oh, yeah. I want to show you something. <laughs> um, hmm. That, that freaking shot, they peel the hood back and there's just no face under there anymore. It's terrifying. So... It's really good. We we finished. Uh, we finished. What day is it today? Wednesday on Monday night. We sat down to watch um, Face of Evil. Oh yeah, and like the Hand of Fear a few nights before, we just blasted through it, which is unusual because Lucy's always kind of like, let's watch a couple of episodes and we'll call it a, call it a night, and we'll watch the rest like the next day or a day later. <laughs> this series, we've just been blasting through it. Also, it's super weird, we'll get back into it, obviously, as we talk about the finale of the series, but it's super weird that two weeks ago we were watching The Brain of Morbius in our marathon. Yeah. And last week we watched The Deadly Assassin in our marathon, and both of those have been super relevant to this week's finale. Fucking thing in a way saying. where, like, Lucy went, oh, oh shit, Deadly Assassin. I was like, yep. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Well done, Series 12, for supernaturally knowing where we would be Will, up to in our marathon by the time we finished the broadcast. Well done to you. Um, um, I'll hit a couple of other episodes while, you, while you're looking up your Mandragora films. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what else? What the fuck else? What was mid-season? Fugitive of the Jadoon. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't blown away by Praxius. I really liked Can You Hear Me. I really liked Can You Hear Me. Um, for multiple reasons. Even if the ending did feel a bit rushed. With like, oh shit, I, I guess the gods are trapped in a sphere with a monster now. It's like, oh, I felt a bit of a quick wrap up. But it does give an option for those two to come back should they wish to do something with them later. So, I also um, don't know when Lenny Henry's coming back. When are they tying that in again? Never. I hope they do. They better bring him back. Um, Actually, do you know what would be good? Because that he's the, like series 11, he's one of the many characters that just got away at the yeah. end. Give us a story with your Donald Trump bloke from Arachnids yeah. and Lenny Henry from Spyfall. Like, do a story now where like the tech and political world are part of the story. So That'd be interesting. Mask, like of, Mask of Mandragora? Yeah. I've been reading the John Byrne Fantastic Four recently. Oh, shit. Okay. This is a cover from Fantastic Four 254... Which came out in May 1983. So later than Mandragora. Okay. Holy shit, that's just Mandragora. The Mines of Mantracora. And that mask is just... Oh my god. So and John Byrne has watched Doctor Who on late night cable and then just ripped it off. And the first page of that story? Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and that's a one-off villain? Yeah. It gets better. I think... I think... I think Philip Hinchcliffe needs to sue somebody. Um, it gets better. Oh my god! It gets better. That's exactly the same. It's just minus the hood. Uh, oh, just you wait. All right, sure. His beard's more round, but the point is, it's a golden mask. It's a cult, and its name sounds like Mandragora. Mantracora. The mask of Mantracora, and he takes the fucking mask off, and there's nothing underneath. Oh my god! It's exactly the same. <laughs> it's exactly the same. BBC need to sue somebody. He said they don't because it's great and it's John Byrne. Yeah, but also Marvel got all the money. You might get some of that Marvel money. <laughs> get some of that Disney money, BBC. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. 
Marvel are making so much money off Mantracora. <laughs> Jesus. That is so shameless. It that is, is shameless. Really I shameless. love it. But I saw that. That would be like Doctor Who suddenly introducing a billionaire tech genius villain who hates aliens and they're called Rex Ruther. Rex Ruther. (laughs) Ooh, Rex Ruther. What else was in the later half of the season? There's an episode I'm forgetting. Uh, oh, can you the, hear the, me? The haunting of yeah, I said that one. Uh, the haunting of uh, the haunting of Yeah, the reason I keep forgetting that one is because it turned out to be a part one of three. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate it. I was a bit sort of like, oh, this is a shame because I was kind of looking forward to the story. This looked like it was going to yeah. be. Yeah. But at the same time, cool Cyberman, bro. Um, I like the misdirection of like this is a ghost story, and then there's a Cyberman. It's like, oh shit! All right. And I do like the whole like, oh, this guy volunteered to be converted and is actually a psychopath. Yeah. Okay, cool. I I was really enjoying... Here we go as we build into the finale. I was really yeah. enjoying Ascension of the Cybermen. Yeah. Seemed a little bit limp as a one part, as a single part by the end of it. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, not much has really happened in this episode. Yeah. But we got some cool set piece stuff with Graham and Yaz, especially on the ship with the survivors. Yeah. Um, the story was too serious for me to like the cyber drones. It felt like the story needed to be a little goofier for that. Those to work. cyber drones are fabulous, though. They're great, but they they felt like an they felt like the odd one out in the episode to me. They were a little too silly really when compared to how severe the situation... They're like, so if silly. It, if it was just, we're here in the middle of one incident in a cyber war, but they were like, no, these are the last humans. It's like, what? Really? Pretty sure there are more humans out there. There Pretty are sure more we've humans done countless there. stories where like people left the planet. They're the last ones on this planet. Yeah, because yeah, they don't say it's Earth, do they? No, it's not Earth, um, I don't think. It's bloody weird. But anyway, they've been running around. Um, the Cybersman history is so confused and convoluted by now, but fuck it, whatever. It's it obviously it's like the Pandorica. It's what costumes have we got in storage? Bring them out. They'll yeah. Do. Um, uh, Ashard was a pretty interesting villain. Um, and then holy shit, folks! This oh, hang on, yeah, that oh yeah. I've just realised there's a plot hole that wasn't addressed the plot to my hole? knowledge. Tell me the plot. So hole people go to addressed. the boundary and they cross through the boundary for a safe haven. Yeah. That never gets addressed in part two, does it? We never find out what happened to all these humans that were sent across the boundary. They all crossed the over the Gallifrey and became Time Lords. Did they, though? I don't or did know. did they die? Did are they... Like, it's never addressed. They're the Shibogans. Oh, no, God, that gets on my tits now. It's never been addressed. Oh, it always gets on your tits. It doesn't matter. It does a little, because they spend all the part one going, if we get here, we'll be safe. And this guy's entire existence has been, I send people through this portal to be safe. And then he comes through it and doesn't want to go, where are all the people I sent through here? I don't think it always went to Gallifrey. I think the Master's done... Oh, he says he's never done that before. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. Yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that. Head cannon. I'll take it. It's the simplest explanation. Um, I'll take it. And then the Master bursts out and you suddenly realise, oh shit, this is actually a Master story, not a Cyberman story. Oh no, wait, it's both. Let's see what happens. And then we get the Times Children. Uh, Before we go into, like, spoilers, just on the surface... What are your thoughts on Times Children? Pretty good. Um, I enjoyed it. Some cool stuff, uh, some really nice ideas, and some pretty fun visuals. I'm all for Smashing uh, Cannon if it means something interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that um, shit especially when the Smashing right. Cannon is just, oh no, here's something you didn't know. We're not changing something, you just didn't know it. Fucking around with Canon and Continuity in this show about time travel is part of the course. Like, yeah. do whatever you want. I'm not uh, honest. 
Again, I'm not huge on the Doctor being a massively important legendary figure, but well, they kind of. But the Doctor isn't. That's the point. Yeah, like, they, yeah. they were then reset to be right. Now you're just one of us. So um, I don't mind that. I think I think there would have been more interesting story angles if it had been the Master, because you would have understood their inbuilt hatred of their own society and why it's ongoing. Plus, I'd buy that more as a reason for him to genocide Gallifrey. Yeah, like him just being part of using me, and that disgusts me. So I killed everyone currently alive. It's like, wait, what? Huh? I mean, the Doctor but, is. But you're the, obsessed. The Master with, is generally on the Master, anyway. But the Master's obsessed with survival. That's the one thing that is apparent in every incarnation. Mm. They are. The Master, without saying it, is scared of dying. The Doctor has prevented him from just oh, flat out this, dying by giving him regeneration. This incarnation seems to be a... A reactionary homicidal uh, maniac who mostly relies on his rage. They seem to be kind of nihilistic as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, borderline suicidal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the end where he's like, go on, do it then. And he's like, and then he's upset that she didn't pull the trigger. Yeah. Um... Although, did you notice, for the first time ever in Master history, they gave him an escape. Uh, when it cuts to the close-up of the guy's hand, yeah. co whatever his name is, and he's about to pull the trigger on the on the death particle. Um, as the music's rising, you hear the Master screaming, You are in there now! So it's like, oh, they've built in a get-out clause. Yeah. Which makes me happy because Sasha Dewan is the best thing about this series. And I want to see more of it. Yeah, I thought it was great. But gives me a bit of a, oh. Because it sort of kills any tension that he could have actually died. And also removes the best, most recurring and irritating master trope. Which is, wait, how's the master back? He was like trapped in a time bubble with a T-Rex and the Rani or some shit. Like, how the fuck is he back? Like, how... Because they did that this series even, where yeah. he's trapped in the Kasavin's like plane of existence with no way of escape. And then he's back and no one asks him about it. There's always a way of escape. Because that's kind of the charm of the master in the old school is it's like, the, oh, the best villain, you can't keep the best villain down. They'll always come back. Yeah. They'll always come back. Um, but we're in a world where the internet demands continuity and gap filling. We're in a big Finnish world where it's like, oh, but we can explain that bit there. We can explain that bit there. It's like, uh so I kind of admired the fact that they were like, don't worry, he'll be back. But also was like, oh, god damn it. I um, do kind of hate the thing of, like, every gap must be filled, though. Yeah. Which, of course, this episode fueled like crazy because it left new gaps to be yeah. filled. But has brought the internet to its knees with I'm, rage I'm and happy fury. To just let there be gaps. Let it's there be gaps. Like, as much as I like, as much as I like the Marvel Comics Star Wars stuff. I don't need to know what happened between Empire and Jedi. I don't need to see Luke's yellow lightsaber. I get it. I don't need to see Leia being frozen in carbonite. I get it. Two things that are actually happening. Oh god! See, I got it. I get it as a canvas for stories. Like we want to tell stories set in the world you love, so we're going to pick this area because we can do that because it's a bit where we don't know what happened. But like specifically filling in gaps between the the solo moment of they give him a blaster. It's like, oh, that's the blaster. He's just not like taken that bit off of it yet. And then later in the film, oh, he took that bit off. It's his blaster. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. That's not important. Um, So I I miffed. Oh God, I know. I miffed that, just personally, I miffed that the Doctor is once again being established as some kind of like galactively you know galac- g- galactically galactically relevant figure who who is built into mythology because i do kind of like i i personally do subscribe to the idea of the doctor's being 
this individual who goes around and mm. does the right thing. Like that that to me is more impressive. It's like Superman's OP, yeah, but he's also just like a kid from Kansas, and that's the most impressive thing about why he's a good guy. Because yeah. he's just a kid doing the right thing who has the ability to do more things than others. Like that's cool. That's cool. Um, yes. So the fact that the Doctor is more than just someone who's like, no, you don't get it. You lot did fuck all and I'm going to save the universe. The fact that it's more, oh yeah, you're a big part of why we exist is a bit like, for me, eh. But if it fuels others' imaginations, great. Go for yeah. it. Like, I'm all for that. Like, they can think, you know, the, 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 a future showrunner of this program is currently watching it and one day might go, I've got a really cool idea for that. And it's me, isn't it? With it. <laughs> um... I mean, yeah, it's opened up a few gaps, and I addressed it in a YouTube video, and and it's it's brought about some interesting conversation. It's also brought all of the twats out of the woodwork. Well, of uh, course, because it's Doctor Who, and the fandom is horrific. Of course, if you're listening to this and saying I'm not like that, then I'm obviously not talking about you. So don't sweat it. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm talking about them. Um, Forget about it. Uh, I've seen a lot of people are annoyed that they killed the shard. I liked it because in the story yeah. it, it upped the stakes. The master is, the master is a manipulator who makes the situation work in his favor. He yeah. always has been. Um, every version of them is like even Missy's grand That's scheme. What he do? Even Missy's grand scheme wasn't with a definitive end. She was just like, I've set all this up. Right, Doctor, you're gonna you're gonna do it. You're yeah. gonna you're gonna do this thing now. You aren't. Oh, well, I don't want to do that. I'm annoyed. Yeah. Like that's the master. Like they adapt to a situation. Yeah. Oh, I've been executed and now I'm some kind of amorphous blobby snake. That's all right. I'm going to take over this ambulance driver and wear him like a meat puppet. Ah, the Asian child. Bruce. (laughs) Have you seen that thing on on the Twitter? I can't retweet it, but it was like the timeless child. (laughs) Bruce. Um, (laughs) Which is like the master, the master is terrified of dying and adapts to survive. And be that to because they want to be the... Because ma- half the time their schemes are, I'm going to get this alien race in a prime position to invade this place. And then, when they're all settled in, I'm going to fuck them over and I'm going to take over and be the master of all. <laughs> like, that's their thing. So, of course, he's not going to make an alliance with the Cybermen. His plan all along was, I'm going to do this, and then at some point I will become top of their food chain. Yeah. And he finds a way of doing it earlier than he clearly planned. But he's like, wait, so the Siberian will leave you if you die? Zap! Yes, we lose a shard, but that means a shard will always be part of that story where a shard is in it. Yeah. Like, a lot of classic Doctor Who monsters, they're in one story, and we remember them because they were cool. Um, Like, the reason the Zygons made a big comeback eventually is because they were always remembered, even though they were only ever in one story. And I I will always remember Zygons. And I... Why can't we all just Get sit along. down and talk? Um, <laughs> I I don't hate that scene. I hate what that scene has become. Uh, I think it's a really good speech. It's, and it's a great. A, and it's a really good sentiment. I know, but, but unfortunately, it started just... the meme of "Oh, I love this speech in Doctor Who." What's your favorite speech in Doctor Who? And it's like. 
Stop whittling it down to just speech. Stop making it so it's like, right, let's play the top ten speech. The Doctor Who YouTube channel recently did, like, the best Doctor Who speeches. And I'm like, stop calling them that. They're meant to just be fucking moments in a story that have impact. Don't turn them into a BuzzFeed list. But what's it for? And also the fact that the internet then went like, he's right, you know, this show has solved conflict. No, it hasn't. (laughs) Things are not as simple as sitting down and talking in terms of world war conflict the sentiment is absolutely correct like we should just be able to as humanity talk things out but it's not as simple as that <laughs> a speech in a bbc tv show this show is not going to solve it world solved peace. conflict just like jake paul cured anxiety Fuck off. Oh so let's let's get into let's get into the um, thing things we liked and the nitty gritty sort of stuff. Uh, I like that our companions all had tiny arc resolutions. I really like the scene between Graham and Yaz. I hate that that's the only sort of thing they had though. Yeah, that felt kind of stupid. And also, some of them only mattered if you've been with the series since the start of series eleven. But then that's right. Ryan that's Ryan dunked the hoop. Great, so he's he's fighting past his dyspraxia and not letting it limit But that's him. a reward that's for sticking awesome. with the show. That's awesome, but like, yeah, exactly. It's sort of, it's played up as like a yes moment. If you'd only watched this series, you'd be like, I don't get it. What's going on? Oh, because he didn't sink a hoop. Hang on, no, he did, he, did, he did get a hoop in... No, he didn't. ...in Spyfall, didn't he? Bounced off. Oh, I missed. Okay, so so to those who just joined this series, Ryan's series arc is he dunked a hoop. If you've been with it for two series, it makes more sense and is more like. I think collectively, mm. loads of people watching when he did manage to hit the bomb on the Cybermen in this. Because <laughs> pacifism can be turned off. When he did manage to hit them with yeah, the but bomb. But Ryan's never be, always been a sort of. True, and I did like the fact the guy was like, you can be a pacifist tomorrow. Today, yeah. you need to stay alive. Yeah, that's, but, quite, um, that's quite good. But I, 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 I like the fact that uh, you know that there were at least. At least a baker's dozen of people around at the least world. A ba- at least a, t- a Collins. At least a, a Collins, Collins dozen. baker's dozen. You know that there was at least a Fuck Collins dozen of people around the world who, when the um, when he when he hit them with the bomb, they all stood up, clapped, and gave thumbs up. And went, go on, son, <laughs> you're doing it. <laughs> From fucking the woman who fell to her. <laughs> Brilliant. Um... Our cast of survivors, once again, they all did admirably, but once again, suffered from the too many cooks, too many, many cooks. We need less cooks in here, because there's way too many characters. Uh, only no one, of them, only one of them ended up being fodder. Yeah! And that was the kind of... The count was surprisingly low, I thought. But that was weird, because like, you introduced so many characters, and you need to cement the stakes... To lose two or three, we only knew for like three lines of dialogue last week, and then to lose one this week, and she didn't really get kind of a moment. She just sort of got killed. I mean, yeah, she was sort of fending him off a little bit, but it was like, isn't that? We didn't get to know. Always happens, Chris. Yeah, well, you know, like all I'm saying is, if you want a great example of introducing lots of characters in the finale and then making us care when they get killed off, yeah. go back and watch Bad Wolf and Part of the Ways. Yeah, it does a really good job of that. By the end of part one, you have a good idea who all these people are, even if you don't know their names. And then by part two, you're actually miffed when they get killed off. Even characters like Patterson Joseph's character, who's like the twat on the game show who doesn't care if the other contestants die, he just wants to live. Jackson Poseth. Oh, he's great. He's he is so good. good. Though. He's good. He, he's in the upcoming adaptation of uh, Mario Blackman's novel, uh, Knots and Crosses. They're doing it as a BBC series. Mm-hmm. Which is really good. Um, but yeah. Uh, 
Graham's Graham and Yaz's scene was lovely, but it did also make me go looking back on the series, thinking I don't think these characters, aside from what the actors have brought to them, I don't think these characters have been given as much weight as this scene believes they have. Yeah, and that that makes me sad because it's just sort of like if room if rumors are true, next year will be the Doctor and Yaz, and I think that will be a welcome change. I'm so here for that. Because it means that we get to focus on on one character's journey. Uh, also, we can finally focus the blossoming relationship between the Doctor and Yaz. That would be great. Um, and I'm I don't just say that as like a, you know oh no that'd be really hot. Of course not. I mean they're both gorgeous. I mean it's not going to be hot. They're both that's, gorgeous. That's but let's face it. Show. They're, they're both gorgeous. Let's face it. The sex god of this show is uh, is Bradley Walsh. But the point is, <laughs> how is that a wig? How is that a wig? It's a wig. How is that a wig? That's a wig. That's a wig. It's a wig. It's a wig. What do you mean it's a wig? His hair is not like that. It's a wig. It's, it's a, a wig. Piece. It's a hairpiece. Why is it a wig? He has hair, but Graham's hair is a hairpiece. Then why is it a wig if he has hair? Don't know. Don't know. That's a wig. I think it's because he's got he's got kind of like a cowlick sort of thing, hasn't he? He's got like a natural quiff in the show, whereas Bradley Walsh has short spiky hair. Uh, I don't know why they chose to give him a quiff. They just did. But anyway, um, but it would be interesting to be like right. We have seen Doctor and Companion romance before. I don't want flat out romance, but I want I want like the I want the bromance of these two to be more apparent. If it's the two of them, we're absolutely gonna absolutely gonna see them being more cuddly and, and they're and very sweet each other. Because they are very sweet together. There's and, and it's it's not a dirty little like lesbian sort of oh yeah, give me that wish fulfillment. It's just their chemistry is lovely yeah. and it's at its most entertaining when they are being really close. And, and, and hand-holdy and sweet and joshing with each other and taking the piss out of each other. So to see more of that on screen would make our leads more endearing and give us more development for Yaz, which is what we need. We need more development for Yaz, for yeah. fuck's sake. Um, so, fingers bloody crossed, we'll see that next series. I mean, it would be sad to lose Bradley Walsh. I think we're both in agreement that we're not that miffed at losing Tobin Cole. Oh, I just thought you weren't going to mention him. I'm going to mention because it's the thing. I think we're just going to leave it there. I don't think, think Tozen Cole is a bad performer and I think scenes in The Woman Who Fell to Earth and Resolution especially highlight that he's not. I don't know. I think I've given him enough leeway at this point. But he's definitely the weak link in our, in our leads. Now, right. are our leads underwritten? Yes. Can a good actor still pull something out of that? Yes. Yeah. See, see Peter Capaldi over the course of his run of Doctor Who... And definitely see Matt Smith over the course of his run of yeah. Doctor Who. We'll see Mandip Gill in this season. Mandip Gill this season, but some, season. some episodes give a very, very little screen time yeah. to, to make it work. But but the thing is, like Matt Smith and Pete Capaldi suffer from, at different times, some bad scripts or inconsistent approaches to their character on paper. Especially in Capaldi's era. Like The Twelfth Doctor goes through three different character arcs. Uh, three different character incarnations, almost. And sometimes they also suffer from a mild cold. Or even a bout of diarrhoea after a particularly spicy meal. I don't remember that episode, but... <laughs> no, that's I, just I them think, in general. I think that's for the best. That's just them in life. <laughs> Clara, I need you to go and solve this problem. Why, Doctor? Is everything alright? I have the shits. <laughs> I'm shitting through the eye of a needle. Clara. The shits are back, Clara. I've got the book. Clara, where are the wet wipes? I've made a particularly bad mess back there. I have two hearts and two bum holes. I can't trust my farts. <laughs> I'm like Mulch Diggums. I've sprayed everywhere. Um, Pebble Dash, the TARDIS. Clara, Clara. Am I a good aim? 
No. Why can't we just sit down and... Oh, oh I'm just going to sit down. Um, so, mm. enough of that. I think Toes and Cole is Toes and Cole's the weak link of, of our leads. And I'm happy for him that he's got a role in a big US drama. And I want him to... I want him to do well. And I think... I think there is a vehicle out there for him that could showcase him at his best. Because I, I think in Resolution, the scene where he finally... Ryan confronts his dad and they just sit in that canteen and talk. Why don't they just sit down and talk? I think that's his best performance in the series since he joined it. I think it's done really well. Um, but I, I I won't be too devastated if we leave Ryan and Graham now behind. Um, I believe that they are in the, the festive special, as it's being called. Mostly because they don't know when it's being broadcast yeah. yet. Yeah. But it will be toward the end of the year. So that will hopefully be the writing out of those characters. And off they pop. Um, and Yaz will stick around and that would be interesting and scope for more stories because now it feels like the Doctor has a bit of a clean slate again Yeah. in that her motivation going forward is to just keep going well motivation unless, going forward is to unless <laughs> is to escape <laughs> escape the dungeon escape Sharda let's yeah, face it it it's looks Sharda, like Sharda yeah, that's either a knowing design choice or oh fuck, it is Sharda. Yeah. Um, but uh, or maybe it's the prison from the uh, the, the, uh, the the Infinite Quest. Who knows? Maybe it's or there's the dream. Maybe it's Storm, whatever it is. Storm Cage. Storm Cage. Uh, in that case, all they need to do is snog a few guards and then they'll escape. Oh, that's not very thirteen, though, is it? No, but imagine if she basically did the River Song escape and then was floating in the outer atmosphere of Storm Cage and then went, wait, who's going to pick me up? And then just uh, died. <laughs> she floated out into space. She's constantly regenerating. <laughs> so she becomes a new star. Of course, because she'll just keep regenerating forever. Yeah. Uh, apparently. Um, so, yeah, because that's the thing. This episode exposed the idea that the timeless child of, of legend that the Doctor is apparently aware of but doesn't know what it means canon changes between episodes uh just like the oh apparently all the brendan stuff was in the doctor's head last week and not just for us yeah I've no I've that still... makes no sense at all but sure and, and also the brendan stuff wasn't real it was a con- construct by the master to sort of get the point over to her what I would have preferred it if brendan was just something we the audience saw and it was oh so that was one of the incarnations and what they did experimenting on them but no, apparently it was an, a fake incarnation in the Doctor's head to explain something to her that she didn't understand until after he explained it to her. What? The Doctor's been aware of the Timeless Child, maybe, based on the script. Yeah. Um, turns out the Doctor is the Timeless Child, and the Timeless Child was a being from another dimension found a, a tower by an early early space traveller of Gallifrey, Shabogan, called, uh, was it Tekatuin? Something like that. Uh, Tekteun. Tekteun. So Tekteun, a Shabogan from the planet Gallifrey. Take a two in and call me in the morning. Oh god. A Shabogan from the planet Gallifrey or the planet that will be known as Gallifrey. Travels out into space, finds, explores. I think it is Gallifrey. Oh, it is Gallifrey, but I I don't know if it's, if it was called Gallifrey from then. Like, why wouldn't the people, why wouldn't the, why wouldn't the native people be called Gallifreyans? Why would they just be Shabogans? Because Shobog is a shit name for a planet. Yeah, I mean, Shabogans have been mentioned before, haven't yeah. they? Invasion of Time, they're the people who live outside the Citadel. That's the one. So she, um, 
shit, I always forget about that story because it's two really good episodes yeah. and then a shitload of episodes <laughs> where they run around a goddamn like spa and recreation centre pretending it's the TARDIS. A swimming pool. Oh, God. Like, they couldn't even put round rules on the walls of the place they filmed in. They're just like, oh, look, we're in a baths now. This is where we are. This is the TARDIS, folks. <laughs> oh, I hate Invasion of Time. Um, so, because it's the start of the Time Lords becoming real boring as well. Mm. Then the Five Doctors kind of reclaims that a bit by being like, there's cult shit going on and there's conspiracies. <laughs> and then they become boring again after that. Um, but anyway. Boring. Uh, so we learn that the Shibogan found this child. The child died in an innocent accident. And then they were like, wait, the child can like regenerate into a new body? I'm going to experiment on this adopted child of mine. So... This is the lie that Gallifrey is based around that the Masters teased the series. This is the yeah. lie that, that Gallifreyans didn't... They came up with time travel. They came up with space travel. They did not come up with regeneration. They stole it from someone else. And the horrific truth should be they experimented on you as a child. Isn't that horrific? I think that's kind but, of implied, though. No, no, but then they depict it through the flashbacks. And this is where I was like, this could be better. They depict it through the flashbacks as the child's just kind of fine with it. Like, they seem confused. Yeah, but then, I see what like, you're but then they join in with everything. They join the division, this, like, secret I see what agency. You're and it's just like, what? So that, to me, to me, it didn't feel like it affects the Doctor that much at all. Well, I feel like the, the more, the injustice is more that, that, that so much of her past and memory has been stolen from yeah. her. But they almost don't... Like, they, 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 they reveal that to her, and then they quite rightfully, as should be the moral, they quite rightfully go, since when has the past you never known defined you? Like, who you are is what matters. That's, yeah, but a, that's, that's a great that's message. The thing. Like, who you that's are now, what you do. That's the saying that yeah. in response to the, the idea that the master thinks that it's going to destroy her. Yeah. Because that's the kind of person he is. Yeah. But the kind of person she is, is that she goes, well, actually, no, it doesn't matter. That's true. And that's He's a, expecting that, her and that is to a be great destroyed message. That is a great message. What matters... What, what doesn't matter what you've done before, what matters is who you are now and what you do now for the better. That's what matters. And that's a great point. Um, and that is a really good general message in drama and in story and things to take away from it. Like, hey, if you fucked up before or like your, your story was dictated by other people before, you doing your best now is what matters. Like you being you being you and doing what you need to do is what matters now. And it's like, that's a great message. Brilliant. Good on you. Don't let don't let you the people who fucked around with you in your past hold you back. Great. But wouldn't that have been more compelling as an arc? For her to have to kind of deal with that and then eventually come to terms with it and you go, do you know what? No. Like I know obviously they do it here, they have they have what we then are teased with as maybe not even being uh, an incarnation in the Matrix per se, like it's just it might just be in her head because it's who she needs to talk to right now. Yeah. But we have the Ruth Doctor approach and, and and deal with that and be like, since when is this like you've got shit to do? There are people who are going to die. Do what you do best. Why does any of this matter? Like go and deal with that. I just sort of feel like the weight of the possible atrocity it's almost not dwelled on long enough to matter. Yeah, I guess. Maybe because it's released in sprinkles over the course of the episode. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because it's sort of like, oh, 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 but it's cool. She can get past it. It's like, I, didn't, I don't know, fella, you could really, you could have put the Doctor to the test in this episode and made it more of a of a thing, but instead she spends a lot of it asleep watching a vision and then snaps out and is like, right, I'm back to me. And you're like, I just, 
I don't know. I felt I felt there was missed opportunities in the drama of it, is what I'm saying. Shall we get into the continuity shit that's blown the internet to pieces? No. Good. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, have, I have a feeling our emails are going to touch I on it. I don't well. care. Long and the short is, this does not... Anyone who's saying this does a disservice to William Hartnell... Right, for starters, oh, fuck William, off. for starters, William Hartnell does a disservice to William Hartnell by being an uh, unpleasant old man with racist views. But, as the actor that we fell in love with giving a performance that we absolutely fell in love with for a character we all fell in love with, of course this does not shit on his legacy, unquote. Of course it fucking doesn't. He's still the first Doctor. He's the first one we ever saw as an audience. He's the first one whose adventures we can follow. Did the character call themselves the Doctor before him? It's possible. Ruth certainly suggests that's a possibility. Like, she's, she's on the run, and it looks like the Division specifically, when we go back to Fugitive of the Jadoon and how, yeah. how Gat looks, it looks like the Division specifically are trying to bring her back in. Now, that's not a thing we've ever seen happening during the time of, of the Doctor as we've known him and her. So, maybe Ruth is pre-Hartnell, and Hartnell's the final time they got memory wiped. Uh, I talk about this in a video on YouTube. My, that my, seems to be what the episode suggests. Yeah. That, that's that, and that's why the TARDIS is a police box. Yeah, that's why that still sort of fits in with the idea of her being unfamiliar with or like not fussed about the sonic screwdriver. Um, and it also fits in the idea because people say, well, that says he that takes away from him picking the Doctor as a name. Maybe the maybe this individual did like do the whole like I'm a Doctor and this is what I do and this that, and the other. Maybe they did. Maybe they just did it already. The division went no fucking get back here. And then eventually they 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 go and do it anyway. I kind of like the idea that it's it's destiny. He will he she that, will always be the doctor. Yeah. And the TARDIS will always end up looking like that because that's the thing people are getting really hung up on the idea that right it gets stuck as a police box in in sixty three. Yeah. What's to say that he didn't already and she didn't already have a fondness for that look in the first place when they fucked off from the division and went on the run? What what's to say that the TARDIS that he nicks or that Clara tells him to Nick or whatever, isn't the same one. Because even in the classic series, whenever the Time Lords catch up to him, they're always like, oh, it's an outdated Model 4 Type 40. Like, why are they... I didn't realise they were still in... Why would he nick a, a knack an old one? Unless, of course, it was already the one he'd nicked, even if he wasn't aware of it. The TARDIS and the Doctor's wife makes a good point of being like, I chose you. Yeah. Maybe that's the case. Maybe the TARDIS was like, oh, right, get back here. Maybe the TARDIS has a fondness for looking like a police box. I like the idea that... The, the, the constant the, the doctor has escaped and been a renegade before and doesn't remember it. yeah that to me is interesting because then if you do want to expand on it you can tell stories of so what was the first time I tried to get out of here like what was that about and you can tell those stories alternatively you couldn't well that's the thing <laughs> I hope they do I hope, I hope they do tell some story in the main show in the main show in the main show not spin-offs not audio medium in the main show not your youtube fan series that you make with your girlfriend don't cuz all of them are now canon apparently um <laughs> no only 5 of them are canon and they're the pompous sorry hey! <laughs> dynamite quintessential and fruit pastel incarnations um but yeah so like it means that if they do talk about it in the main series in some way, maybe not as an arc, but as a story, I'm fine with it. And the reason I'm fine with it is because then it means this series, this arc, and the death of Gallifrey wasn't for nothing. It means you're actually doing something with it. I mean, it's always for nothing. Well, that's the thing. Gallifrey's, Gallifrey 
since Day of the Doctor has been so mistreated narratively, it's nuts. Simon Wouldn't you though. rather her find out about this thing done to her and confront Gallifrey and be like, what the fuck? No, I'd rather get Cybermen with big head crests. They did look great. <laughs> I like the idea of the Master using Time Lord corpses to create a cyber army. That's a great idea. And I think you could have done that with Gallifrey still being around. Mm. Surely that would be even better because then he'd be even more of a criminal to them because they're like, the fuck are you doing with our dead? And he could be like, I've already practiced with using Cybermen to convert bodies before because I did it on Earth, but this story's forgotten about that. For some reason. Well, no, because also once that's again, how he knows how to do it. I know, but once again, the master, the Cybermen became the bitches of another master. In this case, the master again, because he's worried. Which kind of he sucks. knows how to control them. True, and at least in this time, at least this time they gave it a thing of he's got the control center in him. Yeah, like he is part of the thing that tells them what to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just it's weird. I like they keep giving the Cybermen their independence back and then going, no, actually they're working for someone. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake! I suppose I won't Cybermen. be happy until we get these these new warrior Cybermen with their pretty cool design walking around going, excellent. I won't be happy until we get that again. Hydraulic muscles and also hydraulic brains to match and hydraulic bellies. <laughs> um, excellent. Excellent. Now, to make sure I'm not disturbed whilst I go to Slimming World. Unfortunately, you will not be able to appreciate it. God, I love that. David Banks, right? <laughs> no, I'm thinking revenge. Oh, shit, yes. Yeah. Uh, but stra- David with Banks. Their, with their strangly hands. But AKA, da- we're going to hold your shoulders and it's going to look real uncomfortable. David Banks is uh, excellent. Darth Vader <laughs> Sideman is also very good. Um, uh, I don't, uh, but also, for those who were determined to believe that Ruth existed in the Series 6B theory... Maybe she did, because Series 6B theory sees the Time Lords, a sect of the Time Lords, sending the Doctor out on missions on their behalf. Yep. to say it isn't the Division. So if the you want to believe that Ruth's pre-Hartnell, you can. If you want to believe that she's between Troughton and Pertwee, you can. The because, thi- why would Pertwee, of course, not remember any of it? Well, they've erased his memory again. The thing is... It fit- she fits in a couple places, and as long as they don't... I'm happy... I, I know exactly what you're going to say. It doesn't matter ultimately. No, because it, it can but be either or neither. You can interpret it. Yeah, and yeah. that's what's cool. It doesn't ruin canon. And it also means that in the future, hey, we might get another fucking Joe Martin doctor in a, in a multi-doctor story with someone. It opens up canon to be whatever well, you, you need it to have be. Have you seen the other theory? N- no, since because they, I since don't they, care. No, this one's, this, one's, <laughs> no, this, one's, this one's simple and fun. Since she has a TARDIS, yes. and that's set, and they used it again this series when like the, the Doctor gave the other guys a TARDIS to, to hide in yeah. and travel out in, that's a set they've built. Okay. They're not necessarily going to chuck that set away if they feel they have another use for it. Maybe Joe's the next incarnation, the Joe Martin Doctor. That would be bold as fuck. That would be pretty. But good. as long as they then keep that shtum until it happens and let Jodie have her era, I'd be fine with that. That'd be quite cool. If we got like another series of Jodie's Doctor and then she regenerates and then you're like, the fuck, it's Joe Martin. That would be interesting. And then a couple of years with Joe Martin's Doctor would be really, really cool. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't hate the Times Children. I also felt as a finale overall, I am not as excited by the show's finales as I used to be overall. I just feel like certain things are missed. But I think they're also less big universe threatening destruction, press I a reset button. That. I don't mind that. Well, this, probably... this one was, the universe is going to get fucked over, but it wasn't a, this will fuck the universe yeah, over. Yeah. 
And I'm fine with that because there's still stakes then. But it's... But I've realised my, my finale... But that's Doctor why Who, it's not exciting. That's why it's not as exciting. Yeah, yeah. My finale's for Doctor Who in terms of the era where I was like, oh, I love these, is is probably my favourite era of the show, I guess, now on reflection, which is 2005 to 2007. Yeah. The Davies era and the first Smith year. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the Doctor Who where I'm like, that? I can stick that on any episode of that on at any time and have an absolute blast and love it. And the finales always get me. Whereas now I'm just sort of like, I'm glad the show's on and there are still episodes I really enjoy. But it, it's sort of Doctor Who now has kind of rested after the last like six odd years of it to me in like a kind of a six out of ten kind of comfy place. And every now and again, an episode will make me go, oh, fuck, that was really good. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. That's fine. I don't really need to be the best thing on TV. It's, I just need ten, to enjoy ten, myself. It's for ten hours minutes. of my year. Yeah. And, I, and that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, the, 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 I like the cliffhanger. For me, Doctor Who is... Brought back what, to what, what, what? It has to... Yeah. What? 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 It has to pass a simple test. Did I enjoy myself? Yes. All right, it's good then. That'll that's do. all I need to. That's all I care about. I don't care about how it impacts canon. Yeah. I don't care about yeah. what it changes. I don't care about how it fits in with other stories. I just want to enjoy myself for Massive 45 minutes. Massive moment, though. Massive nerd moment. I did kind of like the fact that, oh, shit. So that bit of Morbius makes sense now. Fair enough. I knew they were going to do that. I knew they were the moment do you realise we're past lines. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's the fact that in, a, in an episode of television in 2020, the centre of the screen for two seconds in that really cool montage using the theme in in show, yeah, which is great. Yeah, a different arrangement of it as well. It was like Sagan Akinola basically went right classic theme, my version of the classic theme. Here yeah. we go. Um, the centre of the TV screen for that like two seconds was the fucking Morbius Doctors. Yeah. I love that. That's mental. I also like... And Delgado was on screen for a second on his birthday because of the day of broadcast hey! his birthday. On the day... On Roger Delgado's birthday he was on screen and it was a master story. Great. Um, also, Sega Nakadola's Cyberman theme is... Oh, yeah! Oh shit. Fucking ripped, man. Yeah. His TARDIS theme's great. That's all that gentle like that... Like, just that really like, soft notes when... I didn't notice it because it wasn't awesome. And cool. Damn you. I like that you do. It's too, it's one too the, atmospheric. One of the comments I had in the video was like, well, right, it doesn't make sense. Why did you do the rest of it now? They say it. It arrives. They say cold case unit. Yeah. So what's happened is this has obviously made enough of a fuss that they've now located the doctor and gone, right, here you fucking are. So we've been after you since you <laughs> since you were a tall black lady in a blue suit. Yeah. And now we know it's you. Probably because at the end of their case, they got information of a woman in a bloody grey coat, a little white woman in a grey coat being part of it. And they've gone, oh, it's you. We know you're the same individual. We've dug up the evidence on this case now. We've found you. I'm fine with that. That's great. That's all it needs to be. And it means more Jadoon in a Dalek story. Also. Which I'm happy about. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Then it's good. What's um, the one called? Revolution of the Revolution Daleks. Revolution of the Daleks. So resolution, um, will Resolution be retroactively titled Resolution of the Daleks? It's already, it's already titled so. that in my heart. It is in my mind. In my heart it's titled that. Let's do some emails, mother um, truckers. Let's go like I'm into the email gulag. This one comes in from <laughs> Harry. <laughs> Suffer along with them. Hey, Harry. Harry says, hello, Chris and Matt. Oh, is that bowtie animation? Bowtie animation, yes. Ah, uh, Doctor Who. Um, hope all is very well with you lovely chaps. Haven't written in ages. Well, we're happy to so, hear from you or see from you. Thought it was time to crawl out of the woodwork like something from Kafka's Metamorphosis. This very is already good. my favourite email. We'd be very interested to hear your thoughts about Doctor Who as always, whether it's this week or next. I uh, still don't quite know what to think of it, admittedly. Only I really like Sasha and Joe a lot and hope they're back next series for more thrills and the occasional spill. Yes, that would be awesome. Keep up the good work, lads, as always, and admiring master. Harry Thomas Edison Draper. Sounds light bulb. Um... <laughs> 
Okay. I, you know what? That is, I'm just saying, that is a really sensible, well thought out reaction. Yeah. Like, not sure how I feel about it, but hey, stuff I, stuff I enjoyed. Did awesome. you enjoy it? Yes. yes. Don't overthink it. And end, end of thingy. I think that's a pretty good mantra, really, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Hi. Hi. In, uh... Hi. Let's be honest. Oh, uh, just a quick, actually, before we crack on with the next email. James, oh, yeah, please do. Jamie Bendy, who's a lovely man. Because this is a long one. Jamie Bendy is a lovely man um, who, who I, shared, I shared a stage with uh, at Christmas. He was Little John in Robin Hood. Ah, uh, yes. Jamie Bendy's tweeted to the show saying, Doctor Who finale was weirdly similar to the Series 3 finale, a sort of three-parter where the Master uses humans in metal casings to take over the world slash universe. Yep. He's got a damn point. The Master does seem to have a thing for butchered humans in metal cases. It's like poetry and rhyme. Like stanzas. Um, uh, yeah, and also it was the first... Well, well no, I was going to say it's the first finale with the Master in it but it, uh, since then, but it isn't, is it? Cause, it's uh, it's series, demonstrably not. Series uh, 8 was the finale with the Master in it. And, and so uh, was series, series 10. 10. So, yeah. 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 Do we think Sasha is post... Um, post-Missy? One would assume so, based on his skill set and the things he can do. Yes. Um... But it does make you wonder, how did she survive? Oh, wait, classic master thingy. Doesn't matter. Like, we, we've set up the impossible situation. We presume Sim regenerates into Gomez. Big finish will do a box told, set, innit? Oh, of course. They'll, they'll do a box well, set. We're told, by, we're told by Sim, like, I've just shorted out your like, atoms or whatever. Like, you're not going to be able to regenerate. Fuck you. She'll be able although, to although, although uh, the Sim master gets his wish... Because if she regenerates into Dewan, then she regenerates back into somebody who absolutely hates the Doctor's, like, every fibre of the Doctor's being. That's true. Which is why Sim killed her. He's like, I would never be caught dead helping the Doctor, so fuck you, you're dead now. And it's like, oh, well, she became he, and he is very much... Like, Dewan feels like Sim 2.0. He does the same manic energy thing. Yeah. Which is nice, because in Tenant's era, Sim, it feels like a Joker-style mirror to the Tenth Doctor. Whereas Dewan feels like the irritating child that Jodie's doctor suddenly has to be the grown-up and take care of. Do you know what I mean? Because like, Jodie's very bubbly and, and you know lovely and, and daft and, and everything. And then the master rocks up and suddenly she's deadly serious. Yeah. And that's why it's kind of like him being a manic, like, psycho. I like the version... Turns her into the serious grown-up in the room. Which, I like this characterization so... of the doctor where she... Where the, the, the sort of... Manic energy is kind of a front. Yeah, yeah. And really as soon as things get serious, she's playing she a role. It. She's playing yeah, a part. Yeah. Um, which is going to be interesting if they go with that going ahead. Like they, they dwell on it more. Who's next? Who's next? And is their email shorter than two paragraphs? Nope. It's oh l- this is a this is a real doorstopper from Tom Monty. From who? Uh, Tom Monty. Uh, it says, Dear Chris and Matt, the finale of Doctor Who Series 12 is upon us! <gasps> like a blanket. Episode 9 for me was not only the best episode written by Chibnall so far, but the best modern Cyberman episode. Ascension. They were very threatening. I think the lone Cyberman is a, Cyberman is a great take on them. And I really liked the new Cybermen designs. Far superior to the nightmare to the eyes in silver. Oof. Harsh. <laughs> for once, I actually really enjoyed Sagan Akinola's soundtrack. His new Cyberman theme was top-notch, and I like the fact that the fan was split up and the plot didn't feel overcrowded for once. Yeah, it was split nicely. My one problem with that episode on reflection now is a thing that I remember saying at the time, they're not going to follow up on that, and then they never did, which was when Ashard wakes up the new Cybermen, the first thing he and like his two lackeys do is randomly just torture a couple of them. 
All probably that is, served to do was make them seem inferior. It's probably just reprogramming them. Yeah, but say that. Say that. Like, why is he... It doesn't... It, 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 do you know what I mean? It's one of those things where now it's like, why did he do that? What's uh, the point in that? Eh. Like, if he was going to torture Cybermen or show that he has no he has no regard... Like, he's starting to feel superior. Have him do something to two, his two lackeys. Have, have him do something to the, the two knackered Cybus ones. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, have one of them contradict an order, not contradict an order, spell out something he doesn't want to hear, and he just immediately turns around and smacks its head off or something. And you're like, okay, this guy's a different kind of Cyberman. Mm-hmm. All right. But instead, it'll never be never be responded to. <laughs> However, fuck me, those warrior costumes look amazing. They look so good. Like, the Nightmare and Silver Cybermen had babies with the Invasion Cybermen. They look great. I love them. I want to hold one in my arms. Just one. Yeah, I liked them. Uh, unfortunately the same can't be said about episode 10 oh Tom I'm so sad you didn't enjoy it feels a bit like heaven sent into hell bent for me I thought it was overly Mm, overly expository into like a lot of Tribunal's work and very messy and I didn't like it (laughs) Graham telling Yaz (laughs) Graham telling Yaz she's the best human he knows was so unearned these two have barely had an on-screen relationship until this point well then it makes perfect sense for him to tell her then if he's been like I'm no, like, true. I know. Um, what he, I know what he means. It feels like we needed more Graham and Yaz stuff over um, the year. And the doctor, that, that was that was a problem with all the companions, not just those two. And the Doctor was pretty useless throughout. But on the bright side, this meant she was incapable of whipping out her Sonic as much. And in, yeah, re- and in yeah, retrospect, it was nice there wasn't the Sonic X Machina against the Matrix. And in retrospect, that whole Brendan subplot from Episode Nine was a bit of a waste of time, wasn't it? That's pretty cool, though. Um, yeah, speaking, I, I, I liked it. I liked the Brendan stuff because it just showed you how fucked up this all was. Yeah. Speaking of a waste of time, predictably, the timeless child was, in fact, the Doctor. And I hate to say it, but I really didn't like Chibs rewriting the Doctor's origin like that. It honestly just feels like the only reason he did any of it was to establish that the Doctor wasn't originally a white male. Just feels a tad on the nose. Narratively, all it does from my point of view is make it all the more improbable that the Doctor had 13 white, this is bolded, white male incarnations in a row... After being however many ethnic- other ethnicities, genders for however many years beforehand, let alone 13 being the first female after 13 consecutive dudes. I'm all for diversity, but from a probability standpoint, assuming the gender of the Doctor is 50-50 each time, it doesn't make much sense, for me at least. Anyway, I think it would have been more more interesting if the Master had turned out to be the Timeless Child. Um, uh, I, there's, some good, there's some good points there, and I see... You're I see... overthinking it. Tom. I see where you're coming from, but yeah, I, th- I think it's it's not worth thinking. I mean, if we're talking about regeneration average, two things come into play. One, if they've had thousands of lives, then it's not unlikely that at one point, twelve of the bo- uh, 13 of the bodies in a row would be white males. It's not unlikely that would be the case, because if they've had thousands and thousands and thousands, there's going to be all sorts of combinations over the time. It's not like every regeneration resets gender or ethnicity. Yeah. It, it just is a new body, a new new person. Um, but then you also have to take into a factor that, like, that would be saying that the logic, the logistics of the narrative within the TV show must adhere to the narrative set up in terms of representation of television nowadays in our world. And that's not the case. Um, I don't mind the first incarnation of the character that we are aware of being a young girl because the idea of regeneration being exposed to the Shavogans back then... Uh, is more apparent if the person completely changes. Yeah. Like, if they look... If, if they just become another small white girl, it would kind of be like, oh, she changed a bit. 
You know what I mean? Whereas if if in the first three generations they're going to because we don't we don't know if they're consecutive. That beautiful shot where it like goes around in a circle. Yeah, around the yeah. Lab. We don't know if those are the consecutive incarnations, but it's, I mean it's implied. But yeah, and the idea of that being, it's like look, they they complete their DNA is completely rewritten um, on a surface level. Um, so you know, I, I don't I don't mind that so much really. And and similarly, um, it doesn't really bother me too much because of that. But I, I get, I, I mean, I, I get yeah. it in a way. Like, I think, I think, I think, like Matt says, I think you just you're marrying yourself too much to the idea of it making sense. When ultimately, it it that's because we're approaching it with like people who watch lots of different types of media and are projecting it onto that. When ultimately, it's just it's a fleeting moment in one episode, and and it doesn't matter really overall, um, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, I hope, I hope. As weird as it sounds, I hope that makes it feel less frustrating for you. The thing is, like, what are you hoping to achieve by keeping track of all the ethnicities they've been in in what order? Yeah. Like, like this, this this episode, if any, if more than any before it has said, guys, stop making charts of which ones in which yeah. order. Aside from the the like fifteen or so that we actually know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we've got we've got fourteen bodies and a fifteenth one in Joe Martin's doctor who that's the only one who's an uncertain as to where they are and that's fine maybe there's a story there maybe there isn't just know that they're a version of this character and the valyard yeah the valyard technically doesn't happen anymore and well, also they did because wibbly wobbly timey wimey it's entirely possible joe martin is the second incarnation of the doctor in a slight offshoot of, of time that hasn't corrected itself what, in her thingy yet what, what does it matter if they weren't originally a white male I, yeah, what well, what well, does that what does that matter? I think the my residual of that might have come across from the fact that in Moffat's era there was a, a there was a on screen effort to prove that the Doctor <clears throat> and Time Lords as a whole aren't one set ethnicity and gender, but that that barrier has been broken now, so it doesn't really. I don't think the show's trying to make a point of diversity. It's just this was the character. Also, it makes you wonder in in terms of narrative headcanon nonsense. If Missy had already started to look into the timeless child thing a little bit, because she makes a joke and yeah. early on of like, "Oh, I knew him ever since he was a little girl." Yeah. So it's like, ah. yeah, which at the time was sort of dismissed as a bit of a joke because it was like, yeah, but Hartnell was never a little girl. But now we know that Hartnell, the first incarnation of the Doctor, was reset to a young age because they were believed to be the first of their incarnations. Yes. Here's another regeneration thing people keep picking on. Why do they give him a new life cycle and? Uh, the time of the Doctor because Moffat didn't know what Chibnall was going to do Chibnall obviously doesn't give a shit about explaining that and that's fine doesn't have to and also um, maybe the current Time Lords don't know that the Doctor was that individual it's been buried in the, like the Matrix has like whole history erased it's been buried in their data yeah it's a secret so it's possible that a lot of the current ones have no fucking clue um, like Rassilon, you seek immortality. It's possible Rassilon doesn't even know that the Doctor is supposedly immortal. No. All the Time Lords did was give him regenerate excess regeneration energy, a new life cycle. So they just get it. Did it served its purpose in the time of the Doctor? He blew up the Daleks. It served its purpose. Moving on. Like moving the fuck on. It served its purpose. Speaking of moving the fuck on. <laughs> uh, Sorry. I'm bullet bullet pointed questions. 
Um, were you disappointed slash shocked slash surprised slash happy that not a single one of the companions have killed off do you think they'll all survive the revolution that kind of reads to me as did you have a single emotion about any of the companions <laughs> um, um I uh, small victories I like them all so I'm glad they're still around small victories but I I even like Ryan I you know weirdly weirdly I would be happy with two endings here one the story of one or two of them or, or whatnot as rumoured wrapping up in the festive special yeah uh, so that we get an ending or or option two she never finds them again because she doesn't know where they went yeah she doesn't fucking know yeah where they yeah went. yeah and that would be like oh well that's different like oh my maybe God. they just get a fresh start and then if you wanted to do a story later on of like one of them finds her like it's you it's like I've I tried finding you. It's like, why didn't you come for me? It's like, well, I didn't know where you went. Ended up. For all we know, they ended up in like Sheffield. Wait, didn't, didn't like, she four set, years before she met them? And didn't they she to, like, set the controls the though? Uh, she set the return to Earth to take them to Earth. I think she would no, because she says start a new life in the twenty first century to the future people. Oh, to them, yeah. yeah. So, so she so knows so. where she's oh, sending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. But it's like, is it the exact? Specific no, time oh yeah, in I get you. Yeah. I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. um do you think they'll survive the revolution? Probably, but I don't know if they'll all continue to be part of the TARDIS fam after that. Suspicions um, point at two of them leaving the show. Why did the Doctor let Sir Barristan Selmy sacrifice himself for her? <laughs> yeah, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, the Doctor would never let another person do that, i.e. 10 sacrifice for Wilf. I'm pretty sure the Doctor has let people sacrifice themselves for him before. Yeah, and also... That's the thing that... <sighs> She was going to do it. I, I know what you mean. It sort of felt a bit cop out. I was, was kind of waiting for something else to intervene to end the story. But it's also the nine thing where it, when it actually comes down to coward, do it. They can't do it. Can't do it. But it's also it's also the fact that um, yeah, you turn. Uh, was it you take ordinary people and fashion them into weapons? Yeah. Um, but it's also the fact that, and I think this was more down to again narrative. I think part nine, episode nine, Ascension, should have hammered home a little bit more. What was his name? Co something. It should have hammered home more his role in the revolution, yeah. in the human uh, resistance. Yeah. And it should have hammered home that he was dead. Like, really, really made a point of him and his fleet got the Siberium and threw it back through time. Because Jack's aware of that. That's what whatever he's up to is he he's aware of a human yeah. resistance planning to do that. So, like they they needed to make a big point of that so that this was altered. Because they do that. He comes in and he says, "I sent the Siberian through time. We obviously didn't send it back enough. It's my fault. This has happened. Um, so I'll take responsibility." But th- there could have been more weight to that, so that she ultimately is like, "If I don't let him do this, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, he needs to do this. I get this." Um. But I enjoyed his performance. I enjoyed his performance in both episodes a lot. So it made me. It did make me go, "Oh, when he sacrificed himself." Because I was like, "He's great. He was an entertaining character." Um, but I know what you mean. I think again. I think that's a. It's a thing where you can never get a satisfactory version of that conclusion. The stakes are that high and interesting that whatever the resolution is, always going to be a bit. Oh, all right. You know what I mean. Yes. <laughs> We've killed Matt, Tom. <laughs> so I'm just looking at these questions and like. How how are we meant to explain River Song's ability to regenerate because she was conceived in the TARDIS? Where is her time lord splice DNA? Previous writer. Previous writer. I mean, it's not it's not impossible that that's a thing now. Well, it's not impossible that's a thing. <clears throat> not every time lord is then given like hey, here's your regeneration cycle. Look after it. Yeah. 
Like, I mean, there's implications that the Shabogans and that don't regenerate, isn't there? Like, yeah. Implications yeah, that they yeah. aren't given, and it's something that the Academy gives you. But it's entirely possible that the TARDIS has got regeneration energy in it. I mean, there's that whole ongoing thing started by the first Doctor of getting him back to the TARDIS yeah. to regenerate. Yeah. And the TARDIS is part of regeneration. So it's possible that like it's just easier near the TARDIS because it's got it's got regeneration energy as part of it. Yeah. Like, you know, so sure, whatever. Bonking creates time babies. Uh, do you think the Master was justified in wiping out all of Gallifrey and all the Time Lords or because he found out the Doctor was a part of his DNA? I don't buy it, and it's even more awkward considering his previous incarnation's relationship with the Doctor. We don't have to think he's justified. He's a genocidal maniac. Yeah, like, and, and again, like every incarnation's different in a way, and this incarnation is is more trigger happy than previous ones. Nothing justifies the genocide of an entire race. He did. It, it's not justified. It's the act of, the act of a supervillain yeah. in a, in a show where it's, he's the supervillain. It doesn't matter if it's justified to us as rational people because we're not going to genocide a planet. You know what I mean? I do, as I said earlier on, I think there was probably more narrative meat on the bones. Yeah. Gallifrey yeah. Was around um, for the Doctor like, to then confront no, them. Of course he wasn't justified in doing it. He's the master. He's an evil supervillain. He does genocides. He also we, dresses for the occasion. <laughs> fucking hell. Um, are we supposed to believe the master destroyed Gallifrey and all the Time Lords with his shrink ray gun? How did he do this? Did any Time Lords escape? Thanks, Tibbs, for the explanation. No, I wouldn't be surprised if he used the moment no, or something just, like that. We know the Time Lord... Bomb the shit out of it. We like, know they have an armory of weapons that can cause devastation. What, where, where is it implied that he did it all with his shrink ray gun? Yeah. He's the master. Well, well, he can it's, get it's, weapons. It's implied he stored some of the corpses. Oh, yeah, that's that makes that sense. Way. Yeah. But, you know. Did any Time Lords escape? Probably. Thanks, Tibbs, for the explanation. Oh, they absolutely will have done. Yeah. So they can do stories about, yeah, yeah, oh, no, they the will Time have Lord. Yeah. Um, it, you know what? They don't explain it. It's giving future writers an out. Yeah, giving them that's a little, what they're doing. Room to do something with. If everything's explained to you up front, then you get this, stuff. This series with Joe, Joe Listen. Martin's Doctor, and I keep calling her Joe. Joe <clears throat> Martin's Doctor and um, and Gat shows that we can technically also tell stories with Gallifrey out of sequence. Well, here's the thing, right? If you'd explained everything up front, then There'd be no room for play later. Years down the line, when another story contradicts it, we'd get a complaint. Yeah. If he doesn't explain everything up front, we get a complaint. So what do you do? You do the thing that gives the writer, the future writers more leeway. It gives them an... Lee Weenal? I don't get Give what... some future Lee Weenal. Lee, Lee Weenal. Uh, I didn't get what happened at the end. Did they leave Gallifrey in two TARDISes? One that materialises a house and the other one a tree? Yes. yes. Uh, and where did the tree materialise and why was it the actual TARDIS was there? It's the planet that they were on at the start of Ascension of the Cybermen where they left the TARDIS. Yeah. Considering we never saw the actual TARDIS until this point in the finale. The, the, they arrive in the TARDIS at the, on the planet they're on at the start of Ascension of the Cybermen. That's where she goes back to and picks up the TARDIS at the end with the Master's TARDIS. I like the fact that... The, I like the f- no, it's, it's not the Master's TARDIS she leaves in. It's it just then? a TARDIS. It's just a TARDIS. Yeah. The, 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 okay. the, the implica- we don't see them arrive in, in a store, but the implication is that there are some TARDISes like, yeah. near yeah, the Panopticon yeah. that, have, that have been left there. Um, um, uh, and uh, as a result means they're probably not ones that are going to last and be used for eternity by a bunch of people. Like, one's going to be a house that presumably the people from the future will use as their house. and Or, or they will settle down, figure out how to get the fuck out there and go fi- try and find like humans from their time at some point. And the other one is a tree that no one will ever notice and just get old and rust and eventually stop working. That's it. Although I do, uh, like, the, I do like the moment where the TARDIS is jealous that she's used other TARDISes. <laughs> yeah. That's quite nice. <laughs> um, 
Why were the Jadoon just able to teleport into the TARDIS like that? Because they were. Because they did. Uh, a thr- they'll guarantee there'll be a throwaway line in the, at the start of the next one yeah. that explains it. Um, it could be they were already in there. And just uncloaked. Yeah, it could be that they're already in there yeah. waiting for it to return. We'll um, find out. We'll or, find out. alternatively, we won't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thoughts on the fact that Revolution of the Daleks sounds so similar to Resolution of the Daleks? Yes, it does. Does? That's why that's I'm hoping. That's, that's, that's why I'm hoping retroactively they'll start referring to resolution as resolution of the Daleks, um, so that it can be resolution of the Daleks, revolution of the Daleks. Are the Daleks now a special exclusive villain? Uh, no, I don't think so. What for uh, like uh, specials? Yeah, no, I think it's just I the way it's worked out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that though. I wouldn't hate then that. It would be a special occasion because like, it would oh, shit, be. It would make them, but at the same time, I think they're only doing that because of the the unspoken and unconfirmed, but. Probably definitely true, the Terry Nation yearly thing. Yeah. Um, do you think Chibs regrets not putting all the Daleks on the end of resolution? Probably not. Uh, I doubt it keeps them awake at night. Uh, do you think it will be a Christmas special, a New Year's special, an uh, Easter special? Chris Have Chibs, they not already filmed it? Chris Chibbers Knowles has gone on record already at Radio Times saying he doesn't know when. No. But it will be toward the end of the year. So yeah. it will either be Christmas or New Year's. Well, if they describe he it as know, festive, that would imply. Not yeah. Told him yet. It would imply the end of the year if they're describing it as festive. But they've already shot it, which gives, uh, gives weight to the rumours that season. Uh, 13 will begin shooting uh, later this year. Yeah, that makes sense. And that Doctor Who will then move back into, once again, like this year, a spring slot next yeah. year, which would be good. It'd be, it'd be nice if next year it was like March, April start to the series again. Because I think I think that has always been its best home. I think I think they hit the nail on the head with 2005 for the first five, you know, for the first five, six years of it being in that slot. It seemed to be the perfect place, like in the build-up to summer. People still watching TV. Winter's just about wrapping up. It seemed like the best. And in terms of ratings, obviously ratings change because of different ways of people absorbing content and that over the years and X, Y, and Z. But the ratings have always been at their most consistent uh, during the spring periods over the course of the show's run. Yeah. So I think it would be beneficial if they get their arse in gear, get a series out, even if it's even if it's a little shorter. Get a series out, get it out for next spring. I mean, if it's any shorter, it'll be a, it'll be a special. Do a five, so, just do a just do a five episode series and an additional special that year, and then that's series thirteen, a special one. five episodes, one more special. There's your series. I'd be happy with that. I'd like just some Doctor Who, please. Yeah. Hello, I'd like some Doctor Who, please. Hello, I'd like some um, Drew. As long as the next year they bump it back up to like ten episodes or more, then I'll be happy. Yes. Uh, a final email coming in from Hazel, not Doctor Who related. Hazel, so thank welcome, you so much. Hazel. It's different. Um, we should reluctantly talk about something else. For someone who gets who wants to get into reading more comics, where would you suggest I start in terms of story arcs? Okay, Ooh. so let's go quick fire. Uh, first off, general rule: find a character you like, <clears throat> find something with that character that says volume one, and start there. You usually can't go wrong. Yeah, sometimes it'll be in the middle of a continuity, but it's written yeah. with new readers in mind. Yeah. So anything that needs explaining, it will explain to you as the story goes on organically. Like when you turn on TV and you randomly catch like film four in a series and you yeah. stick around and watch it, you get the gist. I the first Harry Potter book I read was Goblet of Fire, so you can always go back and catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, and comics have because there's so yeah. much to catch up on. Comics have a ridiculous history, and it is often regarded and disregarded from story to story differently. Basically, right? You <laughs> usually don't need to know that stuff, and if you yeah. do need to know, then if it's a decent writer. 
which a lot of them are, then they'll make sure you know that stuff before it becomes relevant. Or after it's become relevant, they'll go back and explain. It, it's fine. Look, usually going to be fine. Look for a volume one. Look for a volume best one of play, a character you like. Best place to start if you're looking <laughs> to do it sort of inexpensively and want to know where volume two is easily, app. Go on the apps. Go on Comixology. Go on Comixology. Yeah. Check out the Marvel app or the DC um, app if you want. You know, which are Comixology there, skins, basically. Pick a volume one. And then when you finish that volume one, you want to carry on, they usually recommend yeah. immediately afterwards, here's a link to the second volume of that run. You can't go wrong. Failing that, just a quick peek at the internet just to see what the next volume is if you yes. can buy it physically. Um, In terms of specifics, yeah. if you like... Okay, so I'm going to rattle some Big off. Big butts. I'm going, to rattle, I'm going to rattle some off. Are you ready? If you like Star Wars, read uh, Star Wars Volume 1 Skywalker Strikes from Marvel Comics or Star Wars... Uh, Darth Vader by Kieran Gillen Volume 1 if you like sci-fi and you're not afraid of boobs and violence and gore and good stuff and also all the feels and emotions read Saga by Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples start of Volume 1 if you like Superman Read Superman Birthright by uh, Mark Wade and Lionel Francis Yu and read any of the Rebirth stuff um, mostly by Peter Tomasi, I think. Um, you can't really go wrong with that. If so you also like Superman Earth One, Superman Earth One, which is three hard covers that feel like yeah. three movies, and they're yeah. really easy to track, and they they encapsulate everything you love about Superman in a more modern context. Yes, really good. If you like Batman, read um, the Th- new. Those 52. words have never been said before. You know, if, if you, you like, like Batman, Batman, those words have never been said before. It, then start with The Court of Owls by Scott Snyder, which is volume one of the New 52 run, and go from there. Uh, alternatively, you can start with the Tom King Rebirth run, but people have mixed feelings on that. I quite like it. Chris wasn't too keen. I'd recommend Snyder just because um, if, if you're aware of Batman, but you've not like tucked in yet, Yeah, Court of Owls is a great story that really establishes who Bruce is and who Batman is and all that. And it was also... And then you start to get some yeah. familiar villains cropping up. And it was also yeah. part of a continuity reboot, so it was very, fairly new reader-friendly. Um, Batman exists. He's had Robins. Go. If you like Justice League, there are no good Justice League books. Uh, hey, no, no, I cannot. The Grant Morrison and Mark Wade stuff from the. I can only really talk about stuff that I'm intimately familiar with, and I'm not that familiar with a lot of Justice League. Ooh, another option: pick up any trade paperback of the Batman Adventures, which is the Batman animated series. Yeah, comic. yeah. All individual stories, no story arcs. Each one is a beginning, middle, and an end. And it's in all the animated in continuity, yeah. not in the comics continuity. And they're all told in that flawless style of the animated um, series of, this gets what Batman is, yes. here's a cool Monster of the Week story with a different villain. Enjoy. If you like The Avengers, read New Avengers Volume 1 Breakout by Brian Michael Bendis, or jump to Avengers Volume 1 Avengers World by Jonathan Hickman. If you... Or if you just want a one-off story, pick up the one-volume giant hardcover of Avengers Assemble. Oh, also there was, there was a second arc, but it's not as good. The pick, Brian, pick Brian up, Michael Bendis. Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, only did that first arc. No, no, no. This is the one there with... Oh, yeah. Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley. Yeah. yeah. They only did that first arc. Yeah. Pick up that. That's um, really fun. It's the, it's the Avengers movie lineup as you knew them versus Thanos in a one-off yeah. six-issue story. It's great. Nine issues, I think it was. It's quite it? long. Yeah, yeah. That's, quite, that's quite a long hardcover. What was volume two about? I can't remember. Volume two, Kelly Sue DeConnick took over and it was like post-Marvel Now stuff. Yeah, it was good, um, but then it never carried on, did it? It, uh, it carried on for a little bit. But yeah, it was sort of like a third tier. It got Avengers. lost in the sea of like so, AVX and um, A plus X and all that stuff. If you like Fantastic Four and you should, <laughs> then read... Read! 
If you like all the comics, pick up the uh, collections of the John Byrne run. If you like... Especially the one where he rips off yeah. Doctor Who. <laughs> if you want to stay more modern, then pick up the fan- Jonathan Hickman run, starting with Volume 1, Fantasy Four by Jonathan Hickman, or the current Dan Slot run. Yes. Which is very good. Um, if you like Spider-Man, again, start with Dan Slot. Uh, probably Big Time is a good jumping on point. Yeah, Big Time's a great um, one. Or that Parker look, uh, which is the post-Superior Spider-Man stuff. But... That'll, that'll be slightly confusing. That will be slightly like, confusing. There's like three volumes of it yeah. and then it rebrands again. Yeah. <laughs> or just jump straight to the current run by Nick Spencer. Which is really, Which really is fun. also really good. Or, um, or, fuck that for a box of soldiers before we, we can't not mention it. JMS. Uh, oh, well, the JMS run is excellent, but yeah. um, if you want to start in on point and something is like, a, you're looking to read a comic and really get into it, Ultimate Spider-Man. Yes. Just bear in mind it's a different continuity to regular Marvel continuity. Yeah. it's Again, it's a, here's a modern take. Yeah. A, a modern take is in the Ultimate year 2001's modern take. was its own thing. And it's great. Um, and it's, a, it's a great introduction to that world and it's a soap opera in a book. Yes. It's really good. Um, if, uh, pick it up as Ultimate Collections. It's cheaper and you get like five volumes in one book. If you like X-Men, you got to do your homework. <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that. There is no like There's good no easy way for continuity free jumping on point for X Men unless you want to go back to old comics and pick up Second pick Genesis. Pick up no, pick up whatever collection you can of the start of it. I as someone who's like I, I like X Men, but I've never been like a big X Men Not- follower. My recommendation is just go back. And bathe in the sixties. No, 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 no. Sixties, oh. not not the sixties run. Oh, it's not, it it's not the best. Pick it up with Second Genesis, Giant Size X Men number one, X Men ninety four, with the new, with the all new, all different team. Okay. Do that. Okay. Wow. Someone's, because someone's Beast Angel, Iceman, Marvel Girl, and Cyclops shaming. No, it's just. You just don't like covers of your villains with weird expressions leering over miniature versions of your heroes. The Second do you? Genesis stuff is just. Better. That's true. And also, you also get like Warpath and Wolverine. It's easier to yeah. It's it's easier to go back to because it's the start of a lot of the characters who you see in the animated series, and it's 1975 as opposed to 1963, so it's way easier to read. Um, What other things might you want to recommend? Oh, Hellboy, Volume One, um, whatever it's called. What the fuck is Volume One called now? Oh, God, I can't remember. Something in Monsters. Uh, to be fair, you could pick up any Hellboy book. Every arc kind of feels detached from one another. Well, no, because the, as it goes on, it gets more and more involved. True, but I've never felt alienated when I've picked up a random Hellboy. I've, I've always felt like, oh God, I wonder what that's about. And, and, there I, are... and I've then gone to look look it up and find out more. And uh, yes. Um, if you're looking for a horror comic, Seed I, of Destruction. It's called Idiot. If you're looking for a modern horror comic that's like knowingly gory and goofy, uh, pick up Hack Slash Volume One. Yep. It a, a, a teenage girl with a baseball bat filled with nails and her zombie-like friend kills serial killers and slasher killers as a job. It's great. It's yes. horrible. And if you love your horror movies and your slasher films. It's a great homage to that world, and sometimes even crosses over with ones you recognise. Yes. So, if you uh, liked the Marvel Netflix shows, then you can try... Um, Alias. 
Alias by Brian heavier. Michael Bendis. No, it's, it's, it's an it's, adult comic, yeah. but yeah. Alias by Brian Michael Bendis, if you like Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. If you like I mean, Daredevil. The character looks out of the panel at you yeah. with his little purple face. If you try, if you like Daredevil, <laughs> then try and look for the Mark Wade run, volume one. Um, Thor, the God Butcher. Thor, the God Butcher. Jason Aaron. By yeah. Jason Aaron, if you like Thor. Um, also, if you like Thor, any of the Walt Simonson stuff, if you want to go back to slightly older comics. Hell, the JMS run. The JMS run from that's the early 2000s. That's because you were like, read this. I did. And that's how I was like, Matt, not only did I read it, I bought the next two volumes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have to keep reading it. It's only so good. if, on the off chance that you didn't hate the Iron Fist TV show, The Immortal Iron Fist by um, Matt Fraction, Ed Brubaker is also very good. Um, Luke Cage and Iron Fist is quite a good uh, Palmer and Iron Fist by Fist, uh, yeah. Dave, uh, uh, David Walker and Sanford Green it's very good it's so stylized I yeah. love it um, if you like Doctor Strange then read Doctor Strange The Oath by um, Brian K. Vaughan and Marcos Martin and then if you want to jump onto an, that's a one off story but if you want to jump into an ongoing then your best bet is The Last Days of Magic not Last Days of Magic um I can't remember what volume one's called, but it's the Jason Aaron, Chris Bacalow run. Um, that's worth jumping on to because uh, Doctor Strange hasn't had, uh, hasn't had a decent ongoing for, didn't have a decent ongoing for most of the 2000s. Mm. He popped up in, in other stories. And most um, of JMS's because JMS was going to do the solo series yeah, and yeah. sets up loads of things in Spider-Man and then they never get resolved. Yeah. Um, uh, although he tries to quickly resolve them in a couple of other books, but it never quite... Never quite works. Captain America, pick up the Ed Brubaker run. Yeah, the Winter Soldier. Uh, yeah. Um, or... No, oh, the recent Sam Wilson stuff. Uh, That's really yeah, good. yeah. So, uh, um, Sam Wilson, Captain America. Um, what, about, the characters? what about one-off blockbusters? Like, sort of just one-off books that are great introductions to the characters. Paul Dini did a book a few years ago called um, Black Canary Zatanna. Okay. Which is it's just a one-off blockbuster yep. story, and it's two of DC's most like interesting like female superheroes uh, fighting back something really fucked up and weird. And the art style's very sort of animated and gorgeous. It's great. Um, um, Mad Love, again, there's a standalone Love. book. The, uh, the Batman Adventures does the origin of Harley Quinn, and it's ex- excellent work. If you like John Constantine, then they're, they're currently in the process of reprinting all of Hellblazer. In like new editions, uh, nice. so look for volume one, which I think is called Devil You Know. Yes, yes, that rings a bell. Um, um, is he Scouse or Brummy? He's Scouse. Or Jordy, he's Scouse. Good. No, uh, Original Sins, I think. Oh, I've read the Devil You Know rings one. a bell. Is that another? Uh, Original Sins is the is the is the first volume of oh. the current of the. Of like the collection of the original Hellblazer series. Well, um, how do you know that? Is that a recent? That arc, must be a more or? recent one. Um, um, rang several bells. It might be a Daredevil. It might be a Daredevil book. Who the fuck knows? Yeah. Oh, um, Guardian Devil. Guardian Devil. That's is a good Daredevil one going for Daredevil. That's by Kevin Smith and Joe Casada. Um, On that same front, actually, Batman uh, Cacophony. Batman is a Cacophony. Really fun one-off story, especially good. if you like Etrigan the Demon and Poison Ivy. And yeah, like I that. do like Etrigan the Demon. It's very true. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think of some other weird one. Whatever happens to the Manor tomorrow? Might be a bit weird. It's a to little back to. Yeah. If you have a, <laughs> no, no one's ever said that about an Alan Moore book before. It's a bit kitsch. If you want your comics weird and heartwarming and also maybe tear jerking, try some Grant Morrison stuff like All Star Superman or We Three. We Three is 
heartbreaking. Mm. If you like post-apocalyptic stuff, then try Why the Last Man. Um, if you like stuff that would make for a weirdly good film, um, Mark Millar's uh, Marvel 1984, 1985 mm-hmm. is a really good one-off book. Basically, it's a kid who reads Marvel comics suddenly one day spots a supervillain in the real world and is like, wait, what's happening? Yes. And that's the premise of the book. And it, that's that's great. Marvels! Marvels. Marvels! Get a canned history of the Marvel Universe as is in its classic days With through the eyes of a, of a photojournalist. Gorgeous painted art by uh, Alex, Alex Ross. Ross. Yeah, God. Absolutely beautiful. beautiful. Who wrote Marvels? Uh, Kurt Busiek. Kurt Busiek. Oh, God, yeah. Marvels. Marvels, Marvels, Marvels. Marvels is great. Track that shit down and witness how good a comic book can look. Um, a Serious House and Serious Earth. Arkham Asylum. Yep. By Grant uh, Morrison. Grant Morrison, Dave McKean. That's trippy. Very trippy. Um, very dark take on Batman. Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, Neil Gaiman's The Eternals. Neil Gaiman's... Neil Gaiman's Eternals run is really good. Neil Gaiman's Anything. Yeah. Sandman. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, whatever Happens to the Cape Crusader. Yes! Um, oh! Which is a great sort I of like... I read that. History yeah. tour through Batman. Uh... What else can we think of? Oh, stories. If you like your horror comics, again, uh, The Mask. Track down The Mask. Mm-hmm. It's in omnibuses, printed by... Um, uh, oh, God, what are they called? Uh, IDW. Mm-hmm. Uh, omnibuses printed by them. It's dark. Well, yeah, they printed them now, I think. It's Dark Horse's comic book, so you'll find different omnibuses, but the collections... The Mask is a horror comic. The film is a comedy. The comic is a horror comic. It's yeah. terrifying. It's great. Oh, uh, per, for my own, this might actually, absolutely not be your wheelhouse at all. Go on. But on the off chance, uh, The Transformers More Than Meets the Eye by James Roberts is fantastic. Yeah. Um, yes. In fact, most yeah, of the yeah, IDW yeah. Transformers stuff is really, really good. Uh, particularly stuff that's labelled as Phase 2, so Robots in Disguise or More Than Meets the Eye. Uh, the current IDW Transformers stuff I'm less big on. But if you're picking up trade paperbacks, then yeah, go for more than meets the eye. Um, it's good. Suck on my big toe. That was the theme music, right? Suck my robot dick. Um, Suck my robot dick. That's, my name yeah. is Optimus I know. Prime. Um, Autobots, drop to your knees. Without, Suck my robot dick. Without specifics, it's difficult to give you um, like more, like better recommendations, Cut, but that's more, just more, a... Um, Curated. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if you do want personal recommendations, Let Hazel, us know. and indeed listeners, you want to know what we think, stories we think would be great for you, give us a tweet. Yeah, give us at a tweet. Big Damn Cast on the Twitter. You can also email us if you want your email read out on the show at Big Damn Contact. Not at Big Damn Contact. No. Big Damn Contact <laughs> at, at gmail.com. Don't put that at the front, it won't bloody work. You can, of course, catch regular video content from us over on YouTube at the Big Damn Channel. Uh, and game streaming on twitch.tv slash bigdamnstream. Assuming it'll work, it's been really patchy recently. We'll figure out, we'll, we'll crack out. the formula. But also, if you want to support the show in every way and get hold of everything in all one chunky, lovely, dirty place by throwing us a couple shekels and joining the Discord and getting all those perks, head to patreon.com slash bigdamncast for as little as one dollar a month. One bloody dollar a month? That's less than a pound! One dollar. For a bit more than that, you get even more stuff. But what a treat, little boys and girls. Um, Till next time, Doctor Who's a program. It's on. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Um, and but more importantly, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't get stressed about it. Don't, don't, don't get worried about it. Day. It's fine. Oh, it's fine. Don't watch that. Yeah. Don't watch that.
Go watch it. 